Hello, everyone, and welcome to Canadians with Disabilities and Their Allies, also known as PWD Allies Podcast. Check it out on Spotify or your favorite app. Today, I have part two of our nine-part series. I have Cassandra Pollack rejoining me today and continuing on where we left off uh, from the last episode, uh, talking about um, her displacement on housing Um so Sandra was homeless for a period of time, uh, and I, I would not envy that for anybody. Um, it is not a uh, something that anyone should actually have to go through in life. It can happen to anybody at any time. Uh, Cassandra will dive right back into where we left off um, the other day, and uh, yeah, it's uh, and but be- before we get going with Cassandra, I want to welcome one of our special guests that we have on our panel here. It's uh, Mary Belanger. Hello, Mary. Uh, MJ Belanger. <laughs> MJ Belanger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. That was close. I, I love the Canadian version always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always awesome to have you join with us um, on this uh, very, ins- very important um series that we have going um you know it's all about lived experience um stories that uh disabled canadians in canada go through on a day-to-day basis um and uh you know it's legislated poverty uh you know i don't i don't like to sugarcoat it because i just say how it is uh and it's just wrong and in a way very wealthy canada that we live in and uh it has to be changed it needs to be a livable income to survive uh with the high cost of living the high market rents uh, people should be able to live where they want to live in the kind of housing that they want to live in, not, you know, with saying, well, you need to live here because you need to have cheaper housing or wherever it may be. If you want cheaper housing, I mean, yeah, I mean, go where the housing is getting built. But is it private sector, public sector? Let's just get the housing built. Let's just get people situated and give them the resources that they need to pay the rent that they need, buy all their disability supplies that they need all the resources uh anyway yada yada uh yeah i can get into a whole long spiel on myself on a talk show on that one but uh here's uh, cassandra where we left off hello cassandra. yeah hello so i get i think where we left off was i i think i had told you that i had finally found a secured a roommate situation which was not ultimately what i was looking for but i found a good a good fit mm-hmm. and i was lucky and the fact that you know I didn't find it through traditional um, circumstances. It was really only the fact that I do, you know, I do, besides doing, you know, the podcast with you guys, I also am a regular caller in an Alberta podcast. And I'm also very 
involved with various um, advocacy groups even before. Um, and, and I've been not just advocating for housing, but I've been advocating um, for, or not just advocating for disability, but also for housing as a human right. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, we've also talked in the past about, um, you know, the market basket measure versus the livable wage calculation. Mm-hmm. And at the time when we talked about it, it was 50% of that. Um, yep. And, and I think, but before I get into to that too much, I just want to maybe reiterate that the way I found housing was because I do have some sort of reach through my advocacy. And I was, I was even doing my own independent videos. I was getting people reaching out to me that had yeah. helped me in a numerous ways from anywhere. I mean, I had a couple offers of temporary accommodation, but uh, you know, that were extremely inaccessible. Like there's oh. degrees of inaccessible. Um, one of the most inaccessible things was I already had 10 stairs. I was having trouble navigating. And one of the offers was for like, the stairs were like almost a foot deep and they were, uh, there were more than a dozen just to get up to the front door of this building um, where my friend's husband is still living. And, um, and, and I was like, I can't, I can barely navigate these ones. I don't know how I'm going to get in and out of that place. Um, Right. Like there was just, it, 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 yeah, it was it was not an option. That was just to get up the door. There's actually more stairs inside too, but the one, the cement steps outside, um, the just the way the building, it's an odd design. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it was just not accessible. You, you almost needed like an escalator to go up it, right? Yeah, and there's nothing <laughs> like that, right? Like no. it's just, yeah, no, it's like these, yeah, it's just a really weird setup, that building. Yeah, it's probably built in the 60s or 70s and it was or 1800s, late 1800s maybe. <laughs> no, yeah, it was like but but I mean like huge steps. I was like I used yeah. to have trouble navigating them before I had trouble navigating my own. Mm. And I was looking at it now and going, "Oh yeah, there's no way I I, I don't I mean in a crunch, I guess I would do what I could, but I you know, like how I don't know how I'd get I wouldn't be going out every day, you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, and and Hard. so so the options I was getting were not ideal. And then one of the things that happened is, of course, I got really sick. And one of the options was a temporary solution for a few nights at a friend's, which would have been her sleeping on the floor and me sleeping in her single um, bed, which, you know, I had to buy a, a new mattress. It, it, it was just not ideal but what happened is her mom's immune compromised and I got really sick with possibly a flu possibly COVID we don't know um and so that was that option I couldn't do anymore because I couldn't mm-hmm. you know put them at at risk of you know her mom had already had COVID and is suffering from long COVID and has trouble mm-hmm. breathing and stuff like that so I just didn't want to and I don't think they would have, I, they, they would have said, I, I know that wouldn't have been an option anymore. Um, but what ended up happening was I had paid, of course, out of my own pocket, I had to borrow money um, to do it. Um, and I ended up, I got paid for six days in a hotel. Mm. And it wasn't until I had already paid for that. And I, I had not asked my worker for anything. I just said, 
look, this is where I'm at. I managed to scrounge up six days. I've got till this date and then I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I've got till this date and, and, you know, hopefully something will come up, but this is where, you know, just to give them an update and let them know where I am. Yeah. And um, then my daughter paid for two days and then, and then I got a call right after she paid for those two days from my worker saying, Oh, we'll cover two weeks, which brought me to December 1st. And about two days after he said that, um, a friend of a friend actually hooked me up with somebody that was actually also a friend of mine, but hmm. I I never thought she connected them with a video I had just done about what I was going through hmm. with the whole hotel situation because I yeah because I was what? it was either that or I was living in a car and I really was facing living in a car if I didn't find something. Um, and, and the, the shelter spaces, like I had called one of the issues around shelter spaces is when it comes to shelter spaces for women, they're mostly dedicated to women feeling, fleeing domestic violence, women facing addiction or women, um, facing homelessness with children. Um, Mm -hmm. there are spaces, I guess, for, for homelessness that don't, but they're very, very few, Like, so, so, and where other certain spaces might in some circumstances make exceptions, they can't because they're all just at too much capacity right now. And, and, and so places are narrowing their criteria and not making exceptions where they might've in the past because they just can't. And um, so, so, so that was the reality. And what happened was, um, this friend was a landlord up in Edmonton and they belong to landlord groups, which I'm not a landlord, so I can't belong. And they put out a nice ad and they basically sold me. Hmm. And because they're a landlord selling to other and they're talking me up about what a wonderful person they think I am, which I really appreciated. That was how I, I actually had four options Um, in the end I went to see all of them and I actually had a choice and, and, um, but one of those options ironically was somebody I had emailed on my own and never got a response. And then I got a response when uh, I remember looking at it going, Oh, I emailed you. Uh, but anyway, I ended up choosing the place I'm at because it was actually, I mean, um, my, my roommate Lorna is just the most lovely lady. Oh. along really well yeah that was and she was in an area that i actually wanted to live in um because it's close to totally better, a, be, a better support system for me um here Wonderful. yeah Wonderful. and so that's kind of where i left off and and you know i've been on you know i just gave my last update on 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 the breakdown alberta and um i guess they want to do an uh a pre-recorded interview with me because i've been kind of updating them um, but one of the thing, a couple of things that have come up just, um, well, I, I think the one article came out right before or just right after I moved in here. And it was an article talking about two person households, like two income, like working, working households with two mm-hmm. incomes mm-hmm. and they can't afford places to live in Calgary. And so they were ending up in hotels and and campgrounds, and some of them had been living in those places for over a year or two years because they couldn't find housing. 
And, and I was like, wow. And, and the way I was being treated by, by Aish and talked to was like, somehow I wasn't doing enough and I wasn't planning enough, but then I'm reading these CBC articles and I'm like, well, how much more could I do if those people yeah. can't find a place to live? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. How am I supposed to find a place to live with my income? Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, with the high cost of rents uh, across the whole country, uh, let alone the, the stock that's actually available, um, that's going to be accessible to you also. Uh, and that's right. another huge uh, cool. obstacle that, you know. That yeah. You and it's true. And so, and the other thing that's happened, so we, we are the only province that doesn't have any kind of rent control at all. Like you, uh, uh, there's other provinces that will say, oh, well, we don't have rent control, but they actually have more rent controls than we do in Alberta. And our uh, minister of community and social services, Jason Nixon was like, outright, no, rent controls are not happening. And so what happens here is a landlord, um, they can raise the rent once a year, only, only once a year, but here's where the no rent control they can raise it whatever they want. They can double it if they want, and there's nothing to prevent them from doing that. Wow. And so they don't go up by the percentage like in British Columbia. They there is no limit. It's whatever that landlord oh decides. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's... Yeah. Just... And I was... You... Sorry. You see Toronto. Uh, yeah, just hang on, uh, Ellen. Um, yeah, no I, I was just, just going to say that I just... Uh, just a couple of days ago, I saw an article... And it was saying that the 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 MBM, the market basket measure, is actually higher now in uh, Calgary than it is in Vancouver and well, Toronto. I'm getting to that. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I just cool. I just saw that. So yeah, no, I'm actually I'm actually leading into that because okay. oh, perfect. Yeah, um, that just came out actually um, on Saturday. That article came mm -hmm. out. And I was sitting um, with my, I'm on my EDA board and I was sitting, um, talking to everybody and I'm like, and I'm like, oh, look, I got a notification and I looked on my phone and, 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 you know, but I wanted to talk about the rent control part yeah. of it too, because that's a big contributor to mm -hmm. um, the unaffordable, you know, the lack of affordability in Alberta is that fact that we, that landlords can just, it's just whatever you want. And we, we, so it's, I mean, sometimes it can be good because we, we have what you call market rent. So when we talk about market rent, we're not talking about it as versus market versus low income rent, right? We're talking about it as like based, you know, how a stock market, it's what the market says the, and the market can dip depending on certain conditions. Well, that's what rents do in Alberta. So when traditionally, if we had a big boom in the oil industry, like there's a huge boom, yeah. then what would happen is everybody would start moving here for the high paying jobs in the oil sands because you almost needed no education. I mean, some people had a, but you could move here and get a job in the oil sands without a degree or anything and, and, and make like, you know, f take home five grand a, a, a week and you know, crazy money. And so people would flock here. Yeah. And what would happen is our housing would burst at the seams and then rents would just go way up. Like, I think, mm -hmm. oh, it must have been just on about 
just under 20 years ago, my rent went up. Um, I, I had had a place and I'd been in there for, it was 900 or 950. It had just gone up to 950. And then the management company had sold it to another management company. And that man, the management company that was originally there, the six years I had been there, they were, they, they actually just raised it a percentage. They were really good. This new management company came in and like, I was considered one of the original tenants and mm -hmm. they, they raised my rent. I get noticed that they're going to raise my rent $600. Oh my God. After only getting marginal increases for the last oh. six years, all of a sudden they're going to, and I had to move. But a lot of other of the original tenants that had been there since the building was built mm -hmm. also moved. And so they lost all these long-term tenants. And then what happened is because that was the height of the boom. Mm -hmm. And at the height of the boom, you would have you would have working homelessness. So people with really good jobs that couldn't find housing. Right. Yeah. And then what would happen? But that's at the height. And whatever, whenever it got to that height within a couple, a month or two, it would crash. Mm -hmm. And when it crashed, everybody left. Mm -hmm. And so then the rents dived down. And yeah. so even companies, if you were renewing your lease, mm -hmm. you would go in to renew your lease and you'd get a reduction in, in rent. Wow, wouldn't that yeah. be something? Yeah. Which I mean, is, I mean, so that's the upside, but the, but the downside is, is there's no, there was no, there's no security uh, in, I know that my rent's only going to raise this much per year and I can budget every year after year. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, you know, and so, and we have had tr traditionally higher, um, higher wages out here. But mm -hmm. another thing like automation in the oil fields has changed that a little bit because a lot of people that used to count on that work aren't being brought back. And it's not because we're not booming in the oil sector. It's because they've automated it and they don't need those people anymore. And so that's, that's another thing that that's happening. And so um, what's our, our wages have stagnated. So it used to be that we always had these high wages, but we're, our, our wages aren't increasing out here as much as they used to. They're starting to stagnate. So mm. we're start, even though we still have higher wages than the rest of the country, we're starting to become more in line with it. Uh, and then, yeah. And, and on top of that, um, like you said, that article, now I go on, I've gone on about how I, I found it interesting because I've done the analysis of market basket measure. Mm -hmm. Like even what was it just last year, I did the analysis of market basket measure, what the calculation was of that versus what the calculation was for a livable wage. And in that CBC article, so the, the headline in the CBC article is that it now costs more for basic necessities in oh, Calgary and Edmonton than it does in Vancouver and Toronto. Mm -hmm. And, and that, so that's the headline and that's what it is. But when I looked at the, what they said, the market basket measure was, what I found interesting is it was actually it it because when we looked at the analysis last year, it was 50 per the, the market basket measure uh line was 50% of what a live a live living wage was. Whoa. 
And now when they've done the market basket measure, I don't know what they've done to beef up those calculations, but now they're in line with a living wage, which I find really interesting. Hmm. I I don't know if they heard me, if I've been screaming Uh, that louder, if there's been other people on it or they read all the articles I read of people criticizing the bar, but now, and so, and just, so I pulled up the, I pulled up the stat here. And so, so the new data from 20 shows Calgary's annual market basket measure is um, is now 55,071. And that's up from 51,861. Now, when we looked at it last year, there was like a $2,000 difference between in oh. favor, like, like Vancouver was uh, Vancouver's living wage was $2,000 more than, than what, uh, Calgary's was mm-hmm. per year and now and now we are yeah um so Vancouver is five uh, fifty five thousand two six um oh it's fifty five thousand two sixty two in in Vancouver uh, oh no sorry I'm screwing this up sorry no worries Fifty five thousand seven twenty seven in Vancouver is the is what they're saying the market basket measure, which if you look at the wage living wage calculations from last year, and you look at the market basket measure from last year, it, it's only a, a it's only a little bit more than what the the living wage calculation was. Yeah, that's um, but yeah. yeah, but it's also if you look so. We're we're fifty five seven seventy one, and you're so you're like fifty, uh, give or take fifty thousand dollars. Your your market basket measure line is if it is about uh fifty dollars less than what it is, fifty dollars less than what it is in Calgary, and in Toronto, another interesting Vancouver is now actually more expensive than Toronto. Because in Toronto, Toronto, the wage was a little bit higher than Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And now it's 55,262 in Toronto, whereas it's 55,727 in Vancouver and 55,225 in Edmonton. And Edmonton was actually significantly less than Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Toronto before. So, so yeah. it's gone up quite a bit too. And, and, you know, when we're talking about it, you know, the fact that it's just the fact that it's more expensive now to live in um, the fact that it's more expensive to live in Calgary. I mean, a lot of people, everybody saw those Alberta's calling ads. Now I was talking to to, uh, an NDP and they were kind of, um, weren't sure they thought people were just maybe moving in here because of the higher wages. But the thing is, is those at we had, I know, I wish I could find that stat out because I was reading a stat a few months ago that said something like we were having 75 people a, a day coming to Alberta j- just from just from Vancouver and Toronto, uh, like basically mm-hmm. just from BC and Ontario, where these Alberta Collins ads went out, where they were where they were basically talking about how much cheaper it was to rent, how much cheaper it was to buy a home, all of this. But but our electricity rates have always been a little higher um, mm-hmm. the, because 
a lot of it comes from when Ralph Klein deregulated the electrical industry. Um, the NDP got in and they um, put a cap on profits, basically, <laughs> in and so that they couldn't rate, you know, so they couldn't make unhealthy margins that uh-huh. put people in, and kind of kept a cap on on electricity rates. But then what happened was when the UCP, the Frankenstein party, I, I call them just so anybody that hasn't listened to me, I call the UCP the Frankenstein party because they're made up of they're a merger of a whole bunch of different parts that don't really go together really well. (laughs) Um, They, they, yeah, they're, yeah. Wild ideologies that don't really fit together. And they turned around and they did something called um, economic withholding. And I'm not as good as explaining that this as uh, Markham Hissop is explaining economic withholding. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go here. So basically what sure, they can, give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to wing it just here. Wing it. Just wing it. They're basically my understanding of it is that they can hold back a certain amount of the electricity to drive up the rates mm-hmm. so that they can cool. make, make bigger profit margins. And mm-hmm. this is what's, so they, um, so basically the UCP, decided that they were going to give the green light to that kind of economic to economic withholding. And now our electricity rates are astronomical, but not only that, not it's not only that our, our actual rate of electricity, they've been allowed to raise the uh, chart. They've been allowed to raise the delivery rates. So, so, you know, that delivery charge, well, people are getting delivery charges that are like two or three hundred dollars but their actual electricity usage is like seventy dollars yeah wow right and right so so there's two things going on and and that's contributed to it and then and then of course the ongoing issue with the fact that we don't have that we don't that we don't have any rent controls at all. And yeah, and we're not building housing. Like, like um, they weren't maintaining, like uh, there was a housing project uh, in Bridgeland, which was just down the hill from where I was living. Mm -hmm. And um, it was completely decommissioned because what had happened was it had not been funded enough to keep up with the maintenance of it. So it kept going farther behind in disrepair and there started having pipe problems and plumbing and mm-hmm. infestation problems. And they were never able to keep mm. up with the maintenance to the point that it had, that it ended up being having to decommission um, uh, because it wasn't livable. And then they had to move all those people up. And that's just one project. This is a problem in every province where, <laughs> where provincial governments are not who are in charge of these things are, I mean, it's actually federal and provincial, but provincial governments generally look over social housing and and they're not funding they're not giving the funds the other thing is is back when Stephen Harper was in they got rid of 800,000 uh public housing units that were funded by the federal government they got over rid of 800,000 of them Pierre Polyev was the guy in charge at the time of the portfolio that housing fell under oh interesting that minister and they, oh. yeah, they, they they sold off these eight hundred thousand units across Canada, 
And then they also deregulated the system. So they deregulated the real estate market in a way that allowed some of these bigger investment firms and REITs to operate without without any guardrails, basically. So that's why they are able. So they're actually squeezing. So these big companies are actually squeezing. um, They're squeezing the 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 little guy. And it's not just because we like to. You know, there's a, you see, especially in Alberta, you see a lot of this, the, oh, it's the landlords versus the tenants, but, mm-hmm. and a lot of smaller landlords out here get really scared when they hear about, oh, yeah. um, when, when they hear about rent controls, because they're barely making it. And, and a big part of it, it comes down to property taxes. Now yes, I could get into a whole diatribe about our city yeah. council yeah. and our provincial government I, when yeah. it comes to that, but. I wanted but, to I wanted to open the floor uh, before you got going there. I'm almost done. Oh, okay, okay. I'm oh. almost done. I, okay, I, I got, okay. let me get this in because it's <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Um. So so basically, um. That's why I'm not getting into that other section there. Um. And so basically, um. What? Oh, now I lost. Okay. Sorry. So, Instead, so I could get into the city council and the provinces, but 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 it's it's not just that it's the it's the fact that they allowed these investment firms to come in. And so if you like are a regular homeowner, right, like you just a a family and you want to buy your first home. Right. And maybe you want to buy a home where you've got a suite in the that you can rent out to make a little extra. So you go and you try to bid, bid on this house. Well, okay. then comes one of these big invest, like a pension fund or an investment uh, banking firm or or whatever, and they come along and they've got deep pockets, so they're outbidding oh, you, yeah. and they're outbidding you so bad that they're driving up the price of mm-hmm. of all the real estate around them. Well, yep. now you got the folks that been living in their house; they bought their house in the '60s or the '70s. Mm-hmm. And they've been living there. And what's happened is, yeah, their real estate, like the price of their home is going up, what what the evaluation is. But with that, because property taxes are based on a percentage of what your home is worth, mm-hmm. now they're driving up those property taxes so high by, by driving up the real estate market so fast and mm-hmm. so high that those people now can't afford to pay their property taxes and yep. they're forced to sell. And guess who's there to swoop it in? And so they, this is- vultures. Right. Yep. And this goes back to the Harper era. And people like to blame it on the government immediately. But often governments will get and do certain things. And we don't necessarily see the full fallout for until decades later. And that's, what's ha- that's another thing that's happening to us oh. right now. And that's my whole spiel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I- I was going to quickly comment on that. Then we're going to send the comments to the floor. Uh, I mean, housing is you know, basically by the big, I call them the big vultures. Um, the way how I got that line was actually from the uh, former UN Rapporteur for Housing, uh, Lalani Farha. She uh, she taught me a lot about the commodities and that housing is used as, as like a monopoly, right? It's, um, you know, and it's the small companies, the small landlords that, that are taking the brunt of it because the big vultures come in and they, they, they prey on it and they say, oh, you're having a financial troubles. Well, you know what? Let's buy it up from you. And now they're going to displace 
the the whole region around. It's not just like say I'm on one road. It's well, yeah. If they have to drive up the rents, then yeah. then then that means that their places are becoming more unaffordable. To, yep. Because they yep. have to drive up the rents just to maintain them, and then people can't afford them, and so they're yeah. It's just yep. a causes yeah. a whole displacement of a whole region and not just like a small little area and then property taxes go up mm-hmm. and then it gets to a point where people can't afford that um i'm going to jump over to the floor uh the first person i want to take uh questions from is mj, MJ. yes <laughs> MJ. I, got your message. I got your message mj and uh right to you immediately and then off to uh then i'm going to turn it over to uh um, over to Dan and over to Alan and then et cetera, et cetera. Sorry, Cassandra, you're like awesome to listen to. You've got a lot of information, but you have the gift to gab and yeah. We only got yeah, no, I, I, I wanted to get all of that in. I, that's yeah. why I talk fast, just so you know. I talk really fast because I'm trying to yeah. cram it all in. <laughs> um, There's just one thing I really want to do before I jump into your story and comment on your story about last. I don't play poker because I always make an expression just so you know. Um, <laughs> um, but I really would like to, because I have a lot of people attack me online um, because they don't understand what's going on with the CDB. And I just really want people to understand the real timeline. Mm-hmm. So even right. this morning in the committee, Kamal Kara said, quote, that the CDB has to come into force by June 2024. And that's when the time starts, the clock starts ticking for that year on the regulations. That's on the regulations, yeah. So that'll take it. They have to have the regulations in place by June 2025. And then I would no. think, yeah, that's what she said this morning, right out of her mouth. No, the regulations have to be in by 2025. Then they have another year before they could have to roll it out. Yeah. Or 2024, I meant. 2024 oh, yeah. is the regulations and then another year for the fi- the money to roll out. Okay. So, yeah. so if you go listen on the committee this morning on Huma, you'll see that I'm right. It's 2024 June. Well, that, okay, so it's written into the regulation. It's already written into the legislation part of the bill that they have till 2024 to get the, so they're breaking their own, if, they, if they're trying to, if she's saying that, she's either miss, miss, um, you know, she misspoke or they're intending to break the their own law that they well, made. Well, law or not, that's what they are intending to do. June, right after it went into Royal Event, June of 2023, it was within a week. Carla Quattro went on the news and said that it, at the earliest is going to be in our pockets is in the end of 2024, at the earliest, hopefully. Well, and, and that's back to the regulations. The deadline in the legislation is the regulations have, it's not money in your pocket. It's just the regulations that have to be done by June of 2024. Yeah, so and then at once the regulations are in, they've got another year to to so finish it's, it's and get money in your pocket. 2025 yeah. is when they want the regulations in. So, and then there needs to be a budget after that, I would think. So anyway, just watch the committee meeting from this morning. Well, yeah, I mean, we've written letters and that's the response we've gotten directly from the minister's office, what I just said. So just so you know. Yeah, so it's right out of her mouth. So just watching, you'll see. Well, no, but so is what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying she's misspoke. And you wanted to talk about the uh, DERP petition as well, MJ. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we have a petition out that ends February 1st. It's derb.ca back to 4667. And it's to have the budget to benefit and pass back pay for the CDB. Also, with my business coach, three fucking hours Zoom. Three hours Zoom me, bro. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of interference right now. Yeah, I think Alan has his mic. Um, maybe he mute his uh, mic better. Yeah, Alan. Um, Alan. 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 Oh dear. Uh, well, we'll come back to the derb part in just a second. Uh, Alan, can you hear us? I'm I'm gonna try to uh, mute his mic here. Just one second. There we go. Okay, there we go. Thank I've you. Got, Thank I've got unmuted there. Oh dear. It's a very good oh. please sign the petition. It's derb.ca backslash E4667. And it's to push them to budget the benefit finally and to pay us back pay on the CDB to Royal Ascent date, which is June something 2023. Yeah, that sounds, um, yeah, I, I've seen that post uh, and uh, I really encourage people to really um, retweet it, like it, uh, repost it out, to quote tweet it. Get this, get this storming out on social media. If you have Facebook, uh, pop it onto there, copy paste it. Let's just slam it out there. And it's so important, uh, even though the finance minister may say, well, we don't have the resources. No, they, they do have the resources to do it. And I, as soon as I saw it, I was always ready to, lo I was ready to lose it. I was like, you don't have the resources. Okay. That, I thought, I, first thing I thought, MJ, I thought, is this an early April Fool's joke? I, I, are you kidding me? Well, you know, their computer system probably can't handle it. They need to upgrade it. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's like the BC minister said, you have to wait till the new computer system comes out, a state-of-the-art one. It, I, wow. I thought, the first thing I thought was I needed another cup of coffee when I heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> like a string of code, right? Like Or, or something. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to you, uh, MJ, on, on the uh, Butler Derb. Yeah, no, I'm done with Derb. I just wanted to comment a little bit on my experience, uh, very vaguely, but more how it coincides with Cassandra's experience. Um, I just, like, I became disabled in 2019. I worked full-time all my life. I paid taxes all my life. I had savings. Um, I was doing quite well, and now I'm just financially screwed. <laughs> Um, and I just found out, like, through that whole process, it's so discriminatory how they treat us. And um, I feel like I'm just fighting for the right to exist. Like, you have to be so resilient to be disabled, to jump through all their little hoops, to find out after jumping through their hoops for months and months and months that there's really nothing even there. <laughs> so, and um, I wanted to just say that I find that the landlords used to want disabled people renting off of them because it was guaranteed income every month. Mm -hmm. Now they don't want to because we get paid so little that they're like, are we even going to get paid? <laughs> so yeah. I would really yeah. like to see the government actually pay the landlords directly for everyone. And then they would have to pay the right amount. That's what I would I, like. I totally echo that. Um, Sonia and myself, uh, before we moved to Victoria, uh, we were scrambling around trying to find the right housing. We we <laughs> we should have, I, you know, one of those hindsights woulda, shoulda, coulda, but didn't. We we had the one place. We guaranteed we had the place. 
But here's the catch on that MG is the landlord says, well, I, I need the money within five business days. Okay. You've got the place if you want it. Uh, I need the money in my hand in five days. Otherwise, I'll have to give it to somebody else. At the same time, we actually told this other landlord, we applied. and we, we So we had both places. We were approved for both places. Now, the other place was brand new. So we, we said, well, we said to the manager, like, well, what do you think? And I go, well, we want to look around and see what else we can find first. We should have went with the other place. It was a lot less price. Uh, it was built in the late 90s. So it was, and it was kept up really well. It's still a good building. But we went with the brand new one because why not? I mean, a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more in dollar value, but why not go with the new one? It was a nightmare after that. We lost our place uh, due to management incompetence. Uh, they had a uh, ultimate, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They they had a pre-existing um, uh, meth, um, mentally, uh, I guess, uh, idea of they wanted to flip units over to make the maximum profit of his commission for themselves. So they cleared up two floors. They, fought, fought, they overestimated themselves Under. also uh, because they underbid the cost of introductory rent prices. So we thought, wow, okay. And the going price was higher. So they, they were desperate to get them in there. So we didn't know, we only had access to uh, two floors, third floor and fourth floor. So we had a run amok. Now nobody living there, we thought, and oh, okay. We're weird though, MJs, we didn't have access to the first and second floor. So there was some under underlying issues going on where uh, the manager was just desperate to make make maximum profit for herself and also for the for the management company. Um, they said they would rent to persons with disabilities, no problem. This is the income. Uh, I said, hey, like this is what, what the government's given us going forward. The ministry even said, this is the amount rent you need to show the landlord going forward. Now, isn't that ironically now, the actual amount is actually the same amount now than it was when we first got the place back in uh, in 2020. Same amount now. But they took away the, the supplement back then, but now it's like the same amount. So anyway, what, I guess the moral of the story, what I'm trying to say is we should have went with the lesser one, but the manager was asking like 50 questions. Like it was just like, like uh, accessibility wise, are you going to have trouble uh, climbing stairs? I mean, our elevator does work, but it has a tendency of breaking down. We're going to get it fixed. Um, the other question was, we don't deal with third party um, payments. I said, well, get the uh, government to send the payment directly into you. Nope, I won't deal with government. Um, check or money order. Uh, I don't take cash, so check or money order. How about debit? Nope, don't take debit. Okay, how about credit card? Nope, don't take credit card. Okay, so they don't they didn't want to deal with the landlord, and which I think is against the human rights because I think that the recipient should have that option of being able to pay the rent how they want to get it paid. <coughs> yeah, over to you, MG. Yeah. Get hmm. uh, yeah, I you know when when you want to chime in on Sorry, that one. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. But you know, getting you know, I mean, getting to that though, I mean, it's uh, that yeah, they refused. They didn't want anything to do with government. I, I have a feeling that it was uh, more uh, of a discriminatory thing. I mean, even though we had the place, but it's like, why wouldn't you want to deal with the government? Guaranteed, the money's coming to you. I mean, we always pay our rent anyway, but it was well, easier. 
you mentioned yeah. you mentioned human rights, uh, Brent, and wasn't it yeah. yesterday? Yesterday was something about human rights. It was the human you know, human rights International Day for Human Rights. Yeah. yeah. Do Do you happen oh. to have the Do you oh. happen to have the Do you have, happen to have the press release handy? Because it it was yeah. just a it was just a nothing burger. Yeah. I well, I, um, I don't I don't know if you actually have the you you gave the press release to me i'll see if i can find it but it was a complete nothing burger it was just stupid well the oh, international yeah, yeah. day of person with disabilities was also december 6th yeah. or 7th and yeah yeah it was yeah nothing. well it was it was our prime minister who posted it out about the human rights day uh, i tell you the the quote tweets on his post there was nothing positive under that it was a lot of disabled canadians across canada chimed into it said oh like yeah like violation, I mean, housing is a human right. Food security is a human right. Having your medications is a human right. But the government says, oh, well, we're going to expand MAID to people who have mental illness in March of 2024. But because, hey, we're going to, you know, no problem. You'll be guaranteed if you're suffering. But here's the thing I was reading uh, and one of our guests. I was still, you know, I still want to get Neil on about that because yeah. he's really on that one topic. Yeah. MAID, okay. And like it's saying, well... Uh, the underlying issue, uh, condition, apparently governments are saying the underlying issue is, oh, it was their illness that caused it. No, it wasn't. No, it was deliberately not giving people the proper resources. I mean, I know it's a slippery slope topic, but I know that uh, Neil Belanger, yeah. uh, uh, he he just dives right into it. He he just throws it out there. He'll uh, call a spade a spade, right? So, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you want me to read a little bit. Yeah, of, no, uh, it, it's, yeah. it's just... Like when I was reading it, because you you sent it the other day, and I read it, yeah. and I was like, "This is like the epitome of a nothing burger," you know. And yeah, anyway, yeah. it, it yeah, says exactly. it yeah. says uh, Nikki Sharma, attorney attorney general, and and uh, Mabel Elmore, parliamentary secretary for anti racism initiatives, have released a joint statement on Human Rights Day. Today marks the seventy fifth anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights first proclaimed on December 10th, 1948. Under the, that declaration, we accept that all people, regardless of their origins, cultures, identities, or abilities, are afforded the same universal rights. It's clear that in the last seven and a half decades, we have made considerable progress, <laughs> insert laugh track here, as a society in recognizing and defending human rights. NBC, our goal is to always strive to give all people, regardless of the, their diverse backgrounds and experiences, the same rights and respect. Um, you know, oh. I, I love when they when they just toss around words like uh, rights and respect. Anyway, we share a, a collective obligation to not just champion, but also to defend the rights of all people to be treated with dignity and respect. That it, that's why in BC we have launched supports to advance human rights in the province. This includes actions such as re-establishing the independent BC Human Rights Commission, uh, providing funding to launch a racist, racist incident helpline, and continuing our work to develop anti-racism legislation to cr create more equitable access to government programs and services. And this is this is your favorite line here, Brent, because it says, but we know that the job is never done. <laughs> There's all there's, there's always more to do, Brent. We know there's, there's always more to do. Yeah, 
I, I, yeah. I'm going to read out a, um, uh, what our Prime Minister posted um, yesterday for Human Rights uh, Day, uh, just so that you know people understand that uh, you know, what human rights is all about in Canada. Canada will always defend human rights because we believe all human, uh, human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. This Human Rights Day, we reaffirm and believe and we recommit uh, to building a world where human rights are protected and respected. So I'm yeah. going to turn it to the floor here and have well, people comment on that. Uh, I, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it, it's, it's like we, I mean, when I look, you know, I always give this speech about how far we've come. We've mm -hmm. come a long way. Oh, we have. But we, we've still made we've made more. huge strides, but it, yeah. but but it is hugely frustrating. Even though mm. this government has probably done more than any government in the last twenty years, mm. as far as trying to move things in the right direction, <laughs> when <laughs> when they fall when they fall short. Uh, when they when they finally decide to do something and they fall short on how they're doing it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it is because they're not meeting um, they're not meeting their human rights um, obligations. Absolutely, you and know, it, and it, and so I think that's where the frustration is is because if you're actually looking at the human human the human um, rights. rights if you're at looking at the actual human rights um, aspect and, and, you know, the UN convention on the rights of persons with disabilities say, and yeah. then you compare that against where we are, even though we've come a long way, we are not, we're not even meeting our own charter. Yeah. What our own charter says, but then they're sitting there saying that they are. And yeah. I think that's what the frustration is. It's, 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 and it's frustrating for all of us because it's like, Okay, yeah, you've done, you've definitely done, like, you did more than anything that happened under Harper, more than anything that happened under Martin or Kretchen or mm -hmm. any of them. None of them have done much as much as this government has. And yeah. I remember all of them, but you still are not meeting your human rights targets. So to say that you are is, mm -hmm. uh, is, 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 and, and that, and then you lose support because of it, because then people are like, you well, know, because you, it actually affects their family, it affects their family, their friends, their relatives, and they all. Right. I mean, say, oh my gosh! I think the government would get more kudos for what they've done if they say, "Look, we're not quite there at meeting our human rights targets on these yeah. issues." It, it, yeah, and admit, but admit we've come this far, and we're really trying to get yeah. there, and we're and, much closer yeah. than we've ever been. Would be more, would be I more think, a genuine comment than than I think that. So. I, I think that if they were to at least admit, hey, like, yeah, like we 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 screwed up. I mean, how hard is it to say, yeah, look, we screwed up. We know we have to do something better. We're going to implement the, this in as a as a floor, right? And we're going to build from that point on. We want we want lived experience uh, people, not not just organizations. And I'm not going to I'm not going to throw the organizations under the bus, shall we say? But we want to have every disabled person who are able to tell us what they want, lived experience, and then build that foundation up and build the confidence of the government. I mean, people are going to then say, yeah, the government is actually really serious now. Like, they're actually going to uh, enact the UNCRPD, 
which I think was 13 or 14 years ago that it was enacted. But it's like it's like my old uh, talking point of uh, spaghetti that I talked about. Right. Well, we, yeah, we boil the water. That's all I got to do. You said you boil it. But yeah, I just leave all the ingredients out. Um, I'm actually curious to hear what uh, Dan and um, and Alan have to say on this, too. I know I've. Uh, haven't You're really curious as to what I have to say about human rights. All right. Here we go, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like, yeah. You know, right off the hop, housing is a human right, right? So that's, yeah. uh, you know, some of you know I was homeless, so I can sympathize yeah. with what uh, uh, Cassandra has gone through, right? And and it's just a fact of, of, of life that the cost of living and the, the high prices for maintenance and all that such, they get passed on, right? Yeah. Um, as per the CDB, uh, I rely on every single one of you guys for the federal stuff because I'm dumb as a stump when it comes to the feds, but provincially and, and municipally, I'm good, right? It yeah. just seems to me that the CDB has been treated like, like you know, like dangling a carrot from a stick, but they actually forgot to tie the fucking carrot on. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So like, it's <laughs> if, if we just got to get back to yeah. basics and, and help each other out where we can, and and just remember that there's enough room for all of us because we all have something yeah. to contribute. And sometimes things get out of hand, and I myself am in that boat for which I always send my apologies. In fact, I got the swear jar down there today. But like push push comes to shove. Like you don't have a roof over your part of my language, MJ. I don't know how you are with the language, but it, it, you know, okay, great. Because if you don't have a roof over your fucking head, you are no good to anybody. You cannot be productive on a personal level or professional level. So until yeah. they get that drilled through their heads, and until we stop using singular narratives as opposed to getting together. Yeah. Then all you can chalk it up to is what Neil's Christmas tree there looks like, because you ain't going to get anything different unless we work together. It's that simple. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree with you on that, Dan. Because the way I look at CDB right now, I remember way back when when I had the Twitter Spaces going. Remember, I used to talk about the CDB. I think I there was a couple of guests I had on. They're like, Brad, how could you say that? And and I what about the CDB? Because I said I I think they're going to use it down the road as an election ploy. I, I said I, I and I had that gut instinct, but I didn't want to say it because I mean I'm you know there to advocate with everybody else to to we got to get this this money pumped out to people. But I had a gut instinct. I'm thinking they're going to delay the hell out of this. And I was talking to one of my members of in BC uh, of Parliament, and I what? No, no, don't say that. No, I go. And I just that my yeah. gut is tells me that they're going to do this and i but you know that you know well because that's what they've done the whole yeah. time with this is they've used this as a carrot to get the disability community to vote for them and and yeah. and, and i think this is i think in this is is an important opportunity yeah it, it, it you know when when it comes to actually rolling the money out into people's bank accounts mm -hmm. right before an election is going to be called i yeah. think we've got an opportunity there to say if you don't do this, if we do start writing letters and say the disability of the com community as a whole is getting together, and mm -hmm. if you don't do this, we're going to vote NDP. We're going to put all our liberal votes to NDP because we're the disability community and we have that power. Mm -hmm. We're, of course, not going to put it with the conservatives, so the only other viable party that we can put it with, because the conservatives right. will just take it all away. Um, yeah, off. Yeah, and yeah. so we don't want that, but, but, and I, you know, there's some people that were, are on the fence, but in, mm -hmm. in the end, if we voted as a block and said, Hey, 
if we could get make a movement to get people to vote as a block and say, you know what, if the liberals try to dang that carrot and put it off till right before the election, then we can, you know, we can turn around and say, if you do that, mm -hmm. we're going to vote. I mean, the, the, the horrible thing is, is it's really hard to get the disability community to get to singularly agree on something like this. But if yeah, we could yeah. get it, we could, that would be a strong carrot to actually say, hey, you don't get our votes. The NDP is going to get them. Bye bye. <laughs> you know, I, I could get a whole patch of uh, carrots and start growing them because I get some fresh ones because those carrots that the uh, liberals are dangling right now are actually uh, they're rotten. They're those carrots are just they need to be thrown out. They need to be recycled in the yeah, garden. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alan, I'm going to turn it over to you and then I'll, I'll come back and um, and get uh, your your take to MJ on this. But I would get Alan's take on this. Uh, uh, where, where are you? Where are you at, Alan, on this? Um, where do you see the CDB and Derb going with the? Uh, I know that the finance said oh. basically Derb's not happening. I think that if we keep putting pressure on them, basically, how the narrative I, before I get your take on it though, the narrative that I hear that they that the finance minister says no Derb, nope, 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 because that's just not happening. Is gonna it's uh, we can't make another program. No, we're just gonna delay the Canada I disability benefit. But I think if we pressure out there and keep going, nope, you can't silence us out. Sorry, that's that's not part of the uh, the uh, obligation here. Uh, Go for it, Alan. In, in all honesty, I I think we've banged that derb drum too too long now. It's lost its its um potency. Um, I think we need a whole different tact. I don't know what that is. I would say if we're going to make a stink, we almost have to make it internationally so that um, the uh, country countries watching Canada um, kind of boo a little bit, metaphorically, because if there's one thing you learn about liberal governments, they don't like looking um, disgraceful on the public stage. Oh. And if you make them look disgraceful on the public stage by attacking the human rights uh, aspect of it on a global stage, they might be pressured to move the CBD forward, uh, bring it up, pivot it, big but banging the derb drum and and I love Bart Manita for doing it and, and Mike Maurice but I think that drum's been banged so much that that we're just sounding redundant. It's it's I don't even see it on the table. Um the only I think the gatekeeper as far as the C B D not coming out as soon as it is is Freeland. I, I honestly think she doesn't want it. She's trying to find whatever ways they can to kick the hand down the, the block. Otherwise, they would have found funding. That's that's my take on it. Yeah, like skipping the rock, throwing the little rock, and I used to love doing but, that. I was a kid throwing the rock. Into as, the far as, the, yep. as far as the CBD, the Canadian Disability Benefit, if we make if we find a way to get a big enough voice to to make Canada look bad on the public's 
on the public uh, stage uh, by other countries, by the whatever, and, and we bring enough attention to that um, where we make enough stink where, where um, the human rights, uh, um, I forget the organization it is, the big one that, that clarifies human the rights. U, the and, UN, uh, the United the Nations. UN. The UN. If you don't, if, if we can tap into the UN in a vocal way that that makes Canada can I, look can I make a quick like, comment about that just really quick sure. yeah 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 I was so, at my so, way for a bit sorry about so that. no that's okay yeah. um the, so the issue with that is is derb is to the idea behind derb is an interim benefit and with yeah. um, oh I, I mean the time it would take because in order to you have to have an intervener. So we have inter specific people within Canada that can be interveners with the UN and put it forward. But we have to exhaust all our 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 own bureaucracies before we can do that. So we have to actually take it to the Supreme Court, which is a yeah. long process in itself. And so that won't actually, unfortunately, that's not that's not a path that would be reasonably get us there. But the other thing I will just quickly point out is that, you know, they said, if you look at the heating oil and it's not related, these are two kind of separate causes. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is it's a, it's something they said they would never do. And they were, and they said they would never exempt anybody from the carbon tax ever. And then they, and then somebody came and made a case and said, look, I understand why you're doing it. But in this particular case, this is the only group of people that are not getting that, that aren't getting back more from the rebates than, than everybody else is getting more back than they spend. But these people aren't even coming close and they made a case for it. And so what it comes down to is they can, they, and they, they will say no until they're blue in the face they will say no until they say yes. And so just the fact that they're saying no over and over and over again, I know it's redundant and it gets really, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be no, especially if they're going to take to 2025. I think there's other ways that we can shame them by getting media attention and getting in the media. And I mean, ultimately that's what raises public awareness and that's what actually will have the biggest impact in the shortest amount of time rather than trying to go through. I mean, there's other things and I, I, that's a whole other show. I guess what I'm getting at Sandra is um, I, I think there's a good idea. I, I mean, everybody I've heard uh, agrees with it, um, whether it's on Twitter or in here, but I, my feeling is my gut feeling is that we would get the CBD before we actually get dirt, I think just because of the language of the way um, Freeman talks, the way that the liberals dismiss and 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 virtuous signal or whatever the term is, and they Vir- whatever, virtual uh, <laughs> yeah, and like you take Bernie, she gets up and she makes another push. Another vocal, you know, uh, shout out, and and then in question period, and as soon as the liberals get up, what is the thing they do? Well, we'd like to thank the uh, the the NDP speaker for that question, blah blah blah, blah blah blah, and they do anything but actually come yeah. up with an answer. 
right? Yeah. I think we've seen it over and over and over again. It's like they've got this, oops, we're on the, in the hot seat, let's come up with a vague statement well, <laughs> it's over. Well, well, so, Alan, you see, it's just a script, and they just read from that script, and they say, well, you know, we're, we're going to be launching the candidates disability. Disabled people in need, blah, 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 and yada, 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 and such, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they never actually, they're saying no without using the word no in the sentence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so my, my, would I say that I think Derb would come, the likelihood of Derb coming out before the Canadian Disability Benefit comes out is very high. <laughs> right. yeah. I don't, I don't. I, I just think we've been banging that drum in, in in this context so long now that it's lost its piss and vinegar. Yeah. Right? You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against her. I'm not against her at all. I was just going to say that on December 19th, we have Mike Maurice uh, coming on the show with uh, the uh, petition uh, creator, um jeffrey cool. salisbury right and yeah. uh one thing i always appreciate about uh mike he's been on the, sh the show lots on the podcast lots and mm -hmm. and one thing i always appreciate about mike is that he never he never sugarcoats anything so if he if he really believes that uh you know that something's not gonna happen like he's told us several times very candidly on the podcast like he says i don't see an appetite for it or, or whatever so i'll be really interested to hear his uh revised take on on things and i and i i have a feeling it's going to be just as kind of pessimistic really i mean because he, he does speak the truth he doesn't he doesn't sugarcoat it like i said and so i'll be interested to hear what his uh revised take on the whole derb and the uh cdb is on the 19th yeah, I, and I, I remember when we had um, the former Minister for Social Development and Poverty Reduction in British Columbia on a few times uh, there, um, and his take uh, regarding the CDB and DERB at the time, um, and the same thing, they were cautiously optimistic, and, and some other guests too that were the same way on it. Um, I think, uh, and I'll, I'll get MJ's take and Dan's take on this too, uh, but it's, uh, I think that if we... Yeah, I mean, you're right, uh, Alan. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the drum is, it's, uh, I think the politicians up there are the ones that don't yeah, want they, it to happen. I, like, think like, uh, I think that they're kind okay, of... Okay, so know, let me wind back to like last Christmas where we were really pushing for the derb and we were all in the, in the Twitter space and we were doing this, that and the other. I think we were drumming up. We were getting lots of traction. Um, we were trending like like crazy, but I think we've lost the like the politicians on the Liberal Party have just gone. They're now going la 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 la. I can't hear you. Yeah, right. So how do you get how how do you catch them off guard? And we need to politically catch them off guard again. Yeah, like I I agree. With, them. Yeah, I agree with Ellen. Like. Because yeah. we all remember that the derb actually came out of your Twitter spaces, right? It did. It that, did. That was something that came out of your Twitter spaces, and it was it was kind of like you remember when uh, Cabbage Patch Kids was like all the rage, like 
like, yeah. the, like back well, yeah. last okay, no. back oh, last back last Christmas, the Durb was kind of all the rage, and now it's just kind of it's kind it's of been... becoming oversaturated, and everybody's like, oh well, I don't really care about the Durb anymore. It's kind of become the old passe cabbage patch kid a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah. in my in my observation too is I, I think that. Uh, in, when especially when the politicians say, "Oh, well, it's not going to happen," they, you know, they're shutting down the debate about it. I think that if we ramp it up and we uh, really uh, gift wrap it, and maybe in a different way, we'll gift you wrap know, it. Exactly. I was going to say Twitter, Twitter, Twitter only goes so far. Yeah, I, I yeah. think what's really important is people with disabilities getting in front of traditional media. Yep, yep, and Absolutely. telling that story of why, uh, telling their story of why it's important. Telling yes. the story of their family member because those tr- traditional media sources will get will actually get more um, more traction can even get traction back going on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. but it can also it it, it brings it in because there's a lot of people that watch the six o'clock news every night or they watch uh, that uh, one uh, national mm-hmm. news thing every night and I they don't watch. watch or they watch a certain uh, you know like. Maybe a higher profile podcast that's not related to disability that they wouldn't normally watch. And and those are the people that you want to get the attention to now because the disability community has got it. We got the politicians. But if we can get those other people, because it's the general public that you got to reach and they're not all on Twitter. So unfortunately, Twitter can be an echo chamber that way. And that's the downfall this is an interesting of it. Analogy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was, I was, I'll be super quick. I was chatting with my mom, and she was like, "Well, if you're struggling, you can go to the food bank. They have everything you need." And she comes from this, not an ignorant state, but what a society snapshot of what, what the older generation. And she's in her, she's eighty, but a lot of people like from sixty to eighty have this euphoric out-of-date state that the food bank is they've got vegetables and bread and meats and chicken and blah 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 like it's a little grocery store it's not i mean (laughs) but and then i'm trying to tell her i'm like you can only go now once a month you can't double dip to a different in the last season you now can't double dip to a different food bank you can't go to st angelo's food bank and then go to St. Mike's food bank right. uh week after. Uh and that the, the the donation levels have dropped so badly that oh, it's first come first serve. The lineups are around the building and I was trying to kind of cl- instill that my mom like it's not what the food banks are not what you think they are. They're not meant like, to be there as a permanent uh, fixture in, in, in uh, our economy. They were but that's that society globe. So getting yeah. using that yeah. and getting back to what Cassandra was saying is um unless we get the disability community in the minds of the people watching the news at six o'clock, yeah. we're spinning our wheels on Twitter. Exactly. It's um it seems like it gets buried in Twitter now, more and more of all the there's so much other propaganda going on around the world of, of different of different world events that are happening and it's like the uh the derb and, and anything else it's all getting kind of like going like huh what what yeah uh, i think the, the news I, 
Yeah, I, I like that idea. I, well, actually, I if, I, if I was running, if I had the resources right now to run my another nobody project the way I want to run it across Canada or even across the province, I would do it where every disabled person got a minute or two to tell their story in a video, clip them all together, do some outdoor, you know, unhoused, untented stuff. Yep. Even just so it was like five minutes or even two minutes of capture. And I don't mean just in one city. You've got to do it like get a whole bunch of people, whether we like each other or not, or we agree on this or on the same page or we're in the same clique. It's got to be across Canada. I'm Joe. I'm unhoused because. I can't afford the rent on the, on the benefits I'm given, but I'm being told by social service workers that if I can't afford to live, I can take maid. Yeah. You have got right. to make the public disgusted to the point where they're blowing up their MPP's phone call. Why am I hearing that disabled people are starving and living in yeah. sheds? Well, again, what again, though, case? again, though, that's that's why we've we've come that's up. With we do this. this. This is why we've come up with the new disability stories. I mean, this is what we're doing yeah. today. Disability stories. We're sharing disability stories, and that's the only way it, you're going to get traction on something like this. Just to share all I, these stories, I, I, bring them forward. I don't, I don't have the the video capability or the video editing knowledge, but if if we could get. 30 second 40 second clips of every disabled person across canada province to province coast to coast to make some collage video where where even if we just someone's talking standing outside a tent city whatever it may be real gritty stuff and then get it out to the press well, they can send it out to us, and we can put it out there on YouTube also, and and um, and, and give it to media uh, news stations, and then they can pick it up, and then they can broadcast. Well, here, here's an idea: if we, if, yeah. if I mean anybody that's listening here now, or if anybody, again, we always say that uh, anybody can always share the video out, or or comment, or whatever. Well, if I if anybody's I, list, if anybody's listening, they can. Uh, they can uh, send a clip. They can send clips to me or to or to you, Brent. Yeah. And like like you said, we'll 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 uh, put a whole bunch of clips together. If people oh, want to yeah. if people want to put uh, send us a bunch of clips, I'll put them all together. I have the software. I can put all the clips together, and I'll publish a little video of a whole oh, bunch of clips, and, and we'll put it out there. Yeah, um, you know, the kind of some guidelines like. Um, Please state where you where you live. Hi, I'm Joe. I live in London, Ontario. Mm -hmm. This is how yeah. I feel about being disabled. Mm -hmm. yeah. Keep it to under a minute, maybe two. And yeah, I would say keep it to under two minutes. And um, and, then and uh, state where you live. State where you live. <laughs> state. What you what you're living on and and a brief like I mean brief, mm -hmm. even if you got to rehearse it a couple times. And then he takes yeah. the call. And then he takes the call. And their allies. And, Hello, Mr. And President. We, Hello, and then Mr. We put President. In some, we put in some. Uh, what do they call those? Uh,
but um, the old, they're like uh, text boxes where it's like a frame of just text facts and just throw them in there. Uh, mm -hmm. Over 65% of, or one in 10 people in each town live on, on, on these, these incomes, uh, no fault of their own. Yeah, Doug, well, Ford, I... Doug Ford says the best thing you can yeah. do for a disabled person is give them a job. Well, how is someone supposed to have a job if they, if they're paralyzed from the, from the waist down? Or See that, that's the old that's they the old narrative. Like the politicians would always say, just get them a the job, get them a the job, right? I mean, a job just what I'm getting at, Ben, is we got to what Pierre just put out about mm -hmm. that little documentary mm -hmm. he made. We got to create a disabled documentary. Yeah, like that's how about it's five yeah. five minutes long. That looks mm -hmm. really professional. Robert brushed. Well, that's one thing that I know, Neil, that we've, um, we've actually discussed that, too, uh, recently, actually. Um, I know I know you and I have discussed that, too, Ellen, is uh, is getting that out there. And I, I truly think that uh, getting a, our voices heard by media, also, like news hour stations, I think we're all on to that. I think that's a mm -hmm. really good well, take. I, I, suggest, uh, I yeah. suggest instead of having a Zoom that goes up on YouTube, is that we need to have a Zoom think tank meeting um, that's not going to get posted so that we can make some notes and come up with an announcement and share the shit out of it. Share on TikTok, share on, on Instagram, share on Facebook, share in the groups on Facebook. <laughs> well, well, I know the, call, the calling out thing, so that that and and there's that young lady that's on. Um, she's on. Uh, uh, first, you make thieves, and then something. I forget what her handle is on Twitter. Um, but uh, she's on TikTok like crazy. She's a cancer. She's a single mom that's going through chemo, and she's very vocal on um, on um, TikTok and Twitter like crazy. I mean, I I almost see her in my feed almost every other day, if not anytime. There's a big post by Kamal. What's her name? The the lady that took over. Um, oh, I can't remember. Yeah, name. I'm drawing blanks here. Kamala. Um, yeah, she's yeah. she'll she'll fire off right as soon as any of them do a um, a little press photo thing. Mm -hmm. Um, she's she's commenting on it or retweet requoting it, but she's all over TikTok. Okay. Um, hey, Ellen, I just want to get MJ's take on this. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm hot. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. I, I find it very interesting on your... Hi, Ellen. Hey, Dan, you look sharp. I love your suit. Yeah. Um, Ward 8, Toronto, 2026. <laughs> I, just, I, I wanted to comment way back when Cassandra said, <laughs> and Ellen, that we need that they're going to use this CDB as an election carrot. Um, I think we need to get a Facebook um, group that's titled something like 
congregation. We need to get all the disabled on this one group. There's so many groups with a thousand here and a thousand there. Yeah. Get everybody congregated. I don't know how to make a Facebook group. I think I have a page called. I love that idea, MJ. And I'll tell you, the issue has been because I've been in different groups. I've been and I've been admin on groups. I've been involved in groups, and and what you always get certain people that they just want to talk and come. They 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 just want to talk and play, and that's valid. That's really valid. But they mm -hmm. when people start talking about doing something, they just don't want to be a part of. It. And then you get other people that just can't mm -hmm. agree on. And so what ends up happening, like we've tried, like I, me and multiple other people, we've tried to get everybody together. Mm -hmm. And it is right, this, but this unifying people is, is been a challenge, especially on Facebook, by the way. Oh, right. but yeah. I think it needs to be titled that something like we just want everybody in a group. So we got y'all counted something like that. That is the purpose of this group. Not to really talk, go talk on a different group. This is just, we can get everybody in this group. The other thing is, Oh, I was going to say, no, I totally lost it. Um, <laughs> uh, I think once June hits and the regulations aren't in place, you're going to see a lot more people on board. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, and having uh, having a, like a dedicated spot where they all come to, you know, and it's uh, I, I like the idea about uh, the the Zoom too. Like we do our segments that we do, I mean, lived experience stories on Mondays, uh, Fridays are a variable right now. We launch the open mic. We'll see where that goes. Like I mean, it's it's going, but we'll see where it goes. But if we need to change that open mic eventually into a dedicated spot just for you know um whatever uh neil and i decide if it's mm -hmm. something that, that we're talking about exactly right now if it's like about current events that uh that uh, are affecting uh discussion stuff uh, affecting people with disabilities in canada then we will do that like uh and the other times are set for guests that come on during the week um so we can restructure things accordingly um i do like the idea of the narrating of really um, getting the stories out there. I, I think that's so important about, well, uh, yeah. If, if, if you want to put pressure on liberals and make them mm -hmm. uh, look, look kind of like they're not doing, really not doing anything in that public eye, as far as this topic, because everybody out there who's not in disability groups has a family member, has right. a, a close friend, even if they're not disabled themselves, they maybe they run a small landscaping business, and there's a really sweet guy up the street named Joe who brings them coffee, and because and, and or something like that, and he's got some disability, and they love him to pieces because he hasn't got a mean bone in his body, and he mm -hmm. just wants to push it. What's that word? Uh, play forward. Right, so he yeah. brings the lunch guy's water on a hot summer day. Something, right? He's doing something. Maybe he's taking pictures of a car lot for some guy who's running a small car lot. Something. So yeah. they're out there and they watch the news. They watch Globe News. They watch the national. They watch C News. And if you can do something like what Pierre did with that little documentary thing he made, uh -huh. we go out and make a, our own documentary across Canada with people's voices, put it into a five-minute segment video with some real facts, 
um, like using Doug Ford's quote against him. Oh, they said the best thing they could do for a disabled people person is to give them a job. Where's my job? I'm applying. Where is it, Doug? Hey, can I come yeah. work for you like your like your nephew did? Something yeah. a little bit of humor in there. You know, you know, you know, you, you know what you do. You know what you do, Alan, mm-hmm. is you have him say that one mm-hmm. little snippet, and then you have that him uh, swallow that bee. Right, yep. out, right, yep. out, right after he says it, you have him swallow the bee. Yeah, but that's why clipping out that's why clipping all you the, kind of have, the stories You have together. to do what Pierre probably have just did in a five-minute segment, but it's all disabled people. Like That's kind of how I would do my teaser for another Nobody Mean Streets if I was... If I had the funding to to roll with it well if we if we put like mean, a little like a little meme at the beginning you see and this is what happens it's a trailer it's a trailer yeah. you give well, them a documentary trailer the five minutes yeah. and it's people with disabilities and if they can't write if they can't verbally speak they can hold up a, a bulletin board maybe one of their family members can put a yeah. marker what they want to say and they could just hold it in front of the camera exactly and nod yeah. That's yeah. fine because that's a clip. That's something that can go into that five-minute segment. As long coming, as you know, coming it. soon to a Canada near you. Yeah, yeah. You want to make the public? you want to give the public on this too. Dan, you want to give the public, like you said, what Cassandra said. You want to give the public a sense of ick, a kind of sense of ick they can't get rid of. Mm-hmm. They can't get. It'll keep them up at night. That then they're on the phone to the MPP. Sure, Dan is laughing too hard. He can't talk yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got burst yeah. out of his fucking buttons, man. Just three <laughs> things very quickly. Number one, yeah. you need the lived experience at the table. Yes. The reason why I put this stupid thing on is yeah. to show everybody that you you need to be hardcore. You need to bring your stuff forward, but at the same yeah. time, you have to be as much as you want to kick him in the throat. You have to be able to approach somebody and say. Good afternoon, Mr. Trudeau. My name is Dan. I'm here to talk to you today about the CDB. How are you doing? At the same time, you've got to be able to fucking take this shit off, throw it aside, right? Yeah. And yeah. tell these people that, like, you know, are you fucking retarded? So yeah. first off, very quickly, number one, Pierre Polyev and his band of assholes the other day not voting for the food programs. Oh, that I know. That right there, I'm willing to listen to people, but that right there, there's nothing he can do to get me to vote for him now. So my ears are all open for everybody else. And... Here's a little tidbit in parting ways. I know we're going to have goodbyes very soon because we're cutting into uh, uh, into Neil's bedtime here. <laughs> Here's another thing you never hear people mention. You always hear people mention, oh, Doug Ford, his nephew, his brother, Rob. Did you know that one of his MPPs was actually the former mayor of the area where his cottage is? Interesting. Wow. So... For everybody to put that shit together, to work together and work on stuff like the CDB, like housing, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, issues for seniors and RGI units or or, or ownership, like uh, the other MJ would say, mm-hmm. you know, it has to be a work in progress together, right? Because if there's too many singular narratives, it's all just like, it's, it's all, you could say, you know, you could have Doug Ford come out right now and... Alan will agree with this. You can have Doug Ford or or even stupid Daniel Smith out there in your way, uh, Cassandra. And you, you can Please. Have, you know what yeah. I mean? 
And you yeah. can have both of them come yeah. out right now and say, Cassandra, Dan, Alan, uh, Brent, Neil, everybody, right, MJ? I'm giving all your provinces $50 billion each. Oh, they yeah. say that all the time and they don't do anything. They they, they actually yeah. say they're yeah, throwing the money at things. Yeah, the carrot. They've been telling yeah. us that, like, that's, I should tell you about that. That That's back to the housing because and I can tell you a story people, about that. That's what people aren't getting, right? They keep yeah. saying that. And yet Doug Ford was there in 2018. They didn't vote him out. He was there in 2022. Yep. They didn't vote him out. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Then they went and elected yep. Daniel Smith. And well, know what planet you're from if you think trudeau is worse than pierre polyev then you it's like I, yeah, there's not, something wrong right? in your head yeah. 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 yeah yeah so it's all of us together with the combined efforts never make me wear a tie again okay see ya. i loved it no i want to comment on that because you know one of the things they've done out here it like and and i'm bringing it back to housing because when he brought up daniel so they actually kept saying like I called the minister's <laughs> office and I had them yell this at me. Um, they keep doing press releases about they're throwing all these millions and billions at fixing the housing situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when I called agencies, individual agencies that are supposed to be the ones receiving this money, I was literally, literally every single time, like I met with hysterical when I say, what about this money that you're supposed to be getting? I'm yeah. getting hysterical, like hysterical laughter from the person on the other end of the phone because they're mm -hmm. saying it. But they not only it's not just that they haven't received the money. Generally, yeah. when governments make a press release and say we're throwing millions at something, they're already talking to the organizations that are going to be receiving that money to do that thing. Yeah. And they're already right. been in talks. They haven't even it's been in talks. Yeah. They got the yeah. same press release and they haven't gotten any money and nobody's come to, to the table with them to say, this is how we're going to do it. It's just mm -hmm. air. It's just hot air. The money it's actually the isn't coming that we can it, find. It was and, either and, earlier this year or, or last year. A lot of people don't know this either. Toronto actually yeah. got $300 million to go towards housing from the federal government. And where did that money go? It went to one development on the southwest corner of Bathurst and Bluard called the Honest Edge Development. And it made no apartments for no homeless people, no nothing. So by the time the media doesn't play that because it's not a good news story, right? It's not a feel good news story to help a homeless person, right? Oh. So people don't hear about that. And they go, well, why are you asking for more money, Olivia Chow, or this person or that? Or why are you asking for more? Because you guys gave us the money and fucking put it somewhere else. You didn't put it towards what it like this well, Eglinton Crosstown. And thing, that's right? why like they're that, yeah. that's why the feds are working with the, the municipalities is because of exactly that reason. Like all the premiers are complaining. And it's like, well, if you actually put the money you were given for housing towards housing, then they wouldn't mm -hmm. have to work with municipalities because you cut funding to municipalities while you're getting billions or millions or billions from the federal government to do housing. And instead you cut money to municipalities. So they, and they, uh, instead of giving them the housing money so they can actually build the housing we need. And so the government said, okay, fine. We'll work with the municipalities then. Sorry about your luck. Well, that's what's going on in BC right now too, is uh, the housing isn't getting built fast enough. So now the province is now, passed legislation saying that they're now going to tell the municipalities 
to build four to six plex housing on one lot. Oh, we just changed our 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 our, our city of Calgary just changed the zoning. Um, yeah, they to just allow for for stuff like that. Where I, and we got the NIMBYs all up in arms because they're worried about how it's going to affect and. And when they realized, oh, you don't just because it's rezoned doesn't mean you have to do that. You can leave your property the way it is. Then they went, oh, but we're going to have new people move into our neighborhood then. It's like, oh, no. (laughs) I came up up with this idea. I floated uh, maybe a couple of weeks back um, where um, I thought that for anybody that wanted that had a piece of property to put a second property or on should like if say someone wanted to put a tiny home in someone's backyard that the property owner would get uh, maybe a tax break or 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 a cash benefit uh, of say three hundred dollars a month to offset that so the the whole NIMBY thing was kind of curbed well people who had a disability could be financed using their disability to get well, the tiny home, right? So you were pleasing both ends of the spectrum. Well, a lot of, uh, but a lot of municipalities already have what they, they're called. What they're called is they're called they're called back alley houses, <laughs> and 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 a lot of like Vancouver. My daughter lived in one in Vancouver, a back alley house, and it was a beautiful. It was a beautiful. They took a garage, added a floor onto it, and turned it into a nice. And they even had their own little yard in this person's hmm. backyard and 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 so this is a thing that's already been going on but it's just not enough mm-hmm. and and like i mean one of our nimbies i was in a media and she was like oh well what about these and i said those are a great idea but they're just mm-hmm. not the only solution because other cities that have had a housing crisis longer than we have have been doing that and they still need to rezone to allow um to make it easier for people to build more housing right it, yeah, it's like building yeah. a loft on top of on top of it, and uh, making well, it affordable too. Yeah, right? yeah, I, I, it's I, just not enough. That's that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. but it's good. It's good. Oh, yeah. I'm all for it. But yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, uh, over uh, she over to you, uh, MJ, on on that, and then over to you, uh, Dan, uh, on your take about um, zoning. Uh, where do you see housing um, getting uh, getting all these homes built? Uh, uh, fourplex, sixplex on one lot, but making sure that they're actually affordable. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, affordable. I mean, Doug Ford could, or like, I'm picking on Doug Ford, you know, be dropped down, but I'll uh, be anyway. right back. I'll catch me up when I get back. Yeah, I feel like the kid at the back of the class that was listening to the teacher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it's gonna happen, and the ones that do happen are just gonna cause mayhem with parking and other problems, sewage, garbage. Yeah. Can I say something else? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, So they did do a vote in the committee this morning asking um, for DERB, not DERB, sorry, CDB to be implemented by March. Right. Um, And it's not to be implemented, to ask the House to implement it by March. So I don't know if that means there'll be a vote in the House. I think so. I'm not really sure. But there may be a vote in the house, so I'm just asking everybody to bug the shit out of your MPs to vote yes for this if there's a vote in the house, especially mm-hmm. the conservatives. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the House is still in the House of Commons, uh, just so people watching this live or they're watching it later, if you're watching later today or tomorrow, the House of Commons sits officially for one more week. That's this week. Yeah, that's the uh, the week of the 11th here uh, until Friday. Uh, God forbid they decide to take off uh, a day early for Christmas. I mean, well, they haven't... Uh, taking care of the, their citizens across the country financially and giving them the proper resources. Housing, you know, housing is a human right. Food security, the resources that they need. If, I mean, you know, people with disabilities, seniors. I mean, seniors have a, have a disability too. I mean, they have multiple disabilities. As we get older, we get more disabilities. Are they diagnosed? Well, not always, not always. Um, with that being said, uh, I'm going to pass it over. Uh, she, uh, MJ, I can come back to you. I'm going to pass it over to Dan about the housing. Uh, then um, I think we're going to start slowing down the segment. We'll just start doing some closing comments in the next little bit. Um, I think, are we good till uh, 3 o'clock there, Neil? It's uh, fine, yeah. I, I just yeah, wanted okay. to ask about Dan's uh, Breakfast of Champions, though. I noticed he yeah, had the... Yeah. I noticed yeah, he had the, the, two liter, the two liter bottle of pop earlier, and I, then he had I, the uh, little... Uh, yeah, yeah like, candy chews, you know. Yeah, I'm actually on the I got Tim Hortons ten bits. Now, yeah. with, with with regards to the housing, though, like back in 2015, that's actually how I got one of my starts uh, within politics. I was like the poster child for the Indie Festival in Toronto here. Right. Um, so I learned a lot about the zoning and and bylaws and shit like that. Um, here in Toronto, we're all over the place. Uh, we got areas of Toronto such as Scarborough that right now, as it currently stands, don't allow rooming houses. Uh, so you got a bunch of bitching and whining and complaining out there about that. Uh, you got people, uh, a lot of rooming house fires lately and, and non-regulated homes. Um, mm. And yeah, uh, what you just said, uh, I think they call it multi-purpose living or something with the five and six story places there. Um, I think any home is a good idea. Right. Uh, there's going to be areas where you got to build up. There's going to be areas where you got to be out, build out. Right. But one of the things I learned working on all of the and I'm glad it was different various uh, campaigns I worked on over the years for all parties is that I got the different perspectives, perspectives. Right. My perspective is I personally don't complain about housing. I have an RGI unit. I'm one of the lucky ones, uh, so to speak. Right. Uh, if I didn't, I'd be homeless, right? I'm so envious, um, Dan. You have no idea. 90% of my uh, ODSP is rent. Gone, done. I left 30 bucks. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> well, and I just reduced my rent to, to, to 600 a month. And I was expecting, and, and the cost of everything else, it, it, I just don't, I still, I'm still like, I'm trying to get through to the 22nd. And then I got to figure out how to make what I get stretch until February 1st after that. Right. Yeah. Got, so, like, yeah. It's yeah, like I try to yeah. explain it to people that I talk to, right? Everybody looks at me and, and for example, the green sh uh, uh, thing and tie and stuff earlier and they, oh, you're an office dude. You're a fucking government guy. No, motherfucker. I was on uh, OW for 17 years and I was on ODSP for two years, right? And, and for the past 20 something years of my life, just like I'm sure Cassandra and MJ and yourselves have done, right? It's been nonstop advocacy, right? So it's, yep. it's, it's, you, you got to know pretty much what it boils down to is you got to know how to tell them to, and MJ's getting a killing out of this, eh? But you got to <laughs> tell them to fuck off yep. without telling them to fuck off, right? So, like yeah. I said earlier, you got to have the ability. I used to tell somebody all the time, they said, Dan, how's John Tory? 
And I go, well, I don't know. And I go, what do you mean you don't know? You work on the second floor, right? I go, yeah, I've had days where I walked up to him and said, hey, Mr. Tory, nice to see you today, whatever. I've had days where I'd be standing outside his window with 200 other people saying, you fucking asshole, come blah, blah, blah. But it's diplomacy, right? You're talking about diplomacy, exactly. being diplomatic and being able to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there there is an art. To, there There is definitely an art to talking, oh, you know, telling somebody to F off without. You're a special person. You're a real, you're a like real when, doll. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's like, um, you know, when I, when I have a guest on of like a politician, right? It's. I can agree. I can, uh, I can hear like agree or listen to like the, the viewpoint of it. Yeah, this is where it's at. But at the same time, it's like holding them accountable saying, yeah, but this is you know, based on lived experiences that people are suffering. And all you hear is, well, there's more to do, more to do, but it's holding them accountable. And I, I think it's like, and, saying, then, and, like and, and then Brent says, well, isn't that special? Isn't that special? Well, you know, the other thing that frustrates me, what frustrates me with the housing, like all these things that we've talked about are really important things. They are. But, but, but the, the crunch, you know, I keep trying to change the narrative. I've got some housing as a human rights people that are also, they keep calling it a housing crisis. And I keep saying mm. this is beyond, it's beyond a housing. A, it, no. this is a housing emergency. Yep. And yep. it's great that you're finally investing in all these things that are going to happen in a few months to a few years. But oh, what about yep. the immediate situation that's happening right now? Yep. Because there are people going mm. homeless for the first time in their lives daily uh -huh. and they don't that have jobs that are not the traditional people you think of as homeless yeah. that don't Absolutely. fit the, 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 the marginalized groups and they're going homeless and that's going to add to our healthcare system. There's going to be, we, we, yes. I mean, there was a big report out here about the amount of people that have, that are losing like, like digits and, and limbs mm -hmm. from frostbite because yeah. it gets to like I've picked homeless guys up off the street mm -hmm. because they're huddled up against Tim Hortons. Well, yeah, and to, and trying and they're trying and it and the wind with the wind it's minus oh, thirty, but yeah. the wind chill's minus forty, and I'm like, and the other issue is like, well, the shelters. I'm like, there's this one shelter, um, the drop. -in. I'm like, well, how about if I take you to the drop-in center because I'm thinking that's the close. No. We will freeze to death before we will go because that place is unsafe. We experience violence there. We yeah. experience theft there. It's not secure. It's not staffed well. And we do not want to go there. I mean, we have other ones like um, one of our good ones is the the uh, Salvation Army um, Center for Hope is a favorite. Everybody wants to go there. It's the best one. Um, but we also got the mustard seed, which, by the way, our community and social service minister's family runs. And started, oh. but anyway. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. They're <laughs> um, not there, are they? It, it, it's not a favorite. No, it's no, better than the drop-in center, but it's not as good as yeah. the center for hope. But, oh, I but thought maybe the but, minister was living in it or something like that. Uh, you know? No, it's oh, no. no I, I'd be sarcastic. <laughs> I I won't even. That's a whole. Yeah, kind of yeah. worms I won't okay. even get into, but the, no. the, the point That's is, is this hole. idea. Like one of the, I, I was told, oh, but he tours these places all the time. And I'm like, 
Okay, so him and the front oh. line, the frontline workers that actually work in them day in, day out, and the people trying to get people into those places, they, they don't know what they're talking about because he tours them once in a while. He knows uh, more than they do. More about lived experience, though. I mean, people who live in Well, I mean, we had this town hall with the, with the federal housing minister, mm-hmm. and it was put on together by the, the Women's um, National Housing uh, Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, housing and homelessness network and um you know it we had so we had ex- people with lived experience and we had people that were frontline workers yeah and the stories i heard like i was i i i wasn't quite to the point where i was completely raising the alarms in my head on my situation i i you know i was still i had some hope and, and i close to it though. and i'm and i'm listening to this and i'm like Okay, like the stories they were telling me about not being able to get people housed or even in a shelter, the stories that they kept telling. And I experienced that, like calling up all these agencies and individual housing uh, housing places for people with just and and they're like, I'm so sorry. All they could tell me was, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I heard that like literally the only thing they could give me was I'm sorry because they had nothing. And they were all using the same, and then they refer you in circles because they're all using the same pool of resources. Yeah. So they all got the same pool of resources, all these different frontline agencies. And mm-hmm. and they're and they're going, well, have you tried this? And so you're going, they're literally referring you in a circle till you come yeah. back to so them the again. Door. So the one door, but it's like it's like they're all going to that and, one. Right. Door. Because the, the yeah. it's just one pool of resources that they're yeah. all drawing from. And and what we really need uh one of my bones of contention was our our mayor was like oh she put a a a motion on the floor of council and she you know mayor gondek and she said oh you know it was to make uh open up city land and put up temporary modular housing and then she said for families and if you go into the housing, the, and there are families going homeless right now. And I don't want to take away. We need no. that for families. Yeah, and I, I don't want to take away from that. But single person households are more than two times as likely to be in core housing need than households with more than one person. That includes single parent families. And it's like, why just families? You know, if you go into the tent cities, you're not seeing families. Mm-hmm. You're seeing single person households. Yeah. And and if you're going to these growing, you know, the like it's single person households. Those are the ones that are that. And it, and the biggest reason is multiple levels of government, municipal, provincial and federal mm-hmm. have always they nobody wants to see a child out on the street. Well. No, I know they, they're not even properly tracking out here. Like when they're doing their, their demographic tracking, they're not even tracking disabilities. And, and yet we've got other statistics for other, show that people with disabilities by far um, are one of the major groups that you're finding in these tent cities and stuff like that, yep. at, that are going, going homeless and you're not even tracking it, let mm-hmm. alone doing anything about it. And, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's, oh, totally. so it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. We don't want children living on the street in cars and tent cities, but we also don't want people with disabilities and seniors 
or anybody that is a human being exactly put in that situation and nobody and, and, have and that situation you know you keep targeting resources to the exclusion of people that's what creates statistics like yep. the statistic that single person households are more than two times more than two times mm-hmm. as likely to be in poor housing need it's because of that exclusion and, and you know and and that's what needs to be so it needs to be today what are you going to do temporarily for today what are you going to do yeah. to get people housed over the winter so they're not losing digits you know they're not at frostbite isn't taking their feet and their and their toes and their fingers you know and costing our healthcare system and making system more money and making them more disabled or some of them weren't disabled and became disabled because of yes. homelessness and you know, there is an economic argument that says if you invest in these things oh, and keep people oh. warm, you are wow. going to put spend less money on health care and other resources and you're going to actually save money in the end. So so this this idea Gosh. that that we're going to just focus on this target group to the exclusion of other target groups is is ridiculous. It's like just let's just house people and yep. let's get them immediate shelter so they don't have to suffer through the winter. And that's all. Thank you on that, Cassandra. I you know, and that's again, that's a human right. I mean, and you know, ha, uh, wow. I mean, if I had done the segment yesterday on the human rights day, I'll tell you uh, just one one second, one sec, one sec. If we had done the segment yesterday, but we didn't, but that's okay because we're you know talking about the human rights today. Um, I couldn't have said that any better than than you just did um, regarding that. Um, you must have been reading my mind because I was just like, wow, like there are so many options that can be done now, like things that can be taken care of now. There's so many empty buildings. I know in this community, well, uh, there's a lot more that has to be built. Um, it's been neglected over decades and decades and decades. Why? Because it's all based on tourism. Uh, nobody's going to want to live here. They're going to want to come to visit. Uh, then they're going to go away. Now they, uh, the city sold off so many hotels, motels. Why? To hell is the homeless. Why? Because they're not given the right to, uh, the the right amount to live on to actually have a dignified life and to have affordable housing. So now they've sold off hotels and motels. Now tourism. Now, oh, where are the people going to stay? Hmm. Now they've got a huge Airbnb issue going on. Gee, I wonder why. Hmm. Uh, that's another underground issue, and I'm not even going to – that's another topic in itself. Another uh, Quickly, <laughs> it's the last thing I'm going to say. Yeah. The other article I read is is actually about Vancouver. So yeah. they've they put up these temporary modular hall units, and now they're sitting empty because the new mayor and the new council came in and decided they didn't want to do that anymore. There was a city councillor that tried to get them to keep it, but these units are sitting empty and you've got a growing homeless population. And this Vancouver mayor, he has to go because he is making the situation worse. What he's doing to the homeless, the way he's approaching the homeless encampments, the way that he's, um, yeah, he, it, it, it's there there's all like i saw the size of this temporary modular oh terrible on city land at, and empty all home. empty empty empty, empty. I backwards because i had a stroke and i can't do my left arm so well <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> the leisure. I just wanted to say that the backbone yeah, cool. or the mandate of an of another nobody mean streets was just that. It was to expose uh, the fact that people with disabilities were were 80% unhoused or on the way to being unhoused. And, and like my first attempt at another nobody was strictly homeless and I fell into that project, uh, not to be the leader of it, but to be part of it getting being put together, but it was done on a very grassroots level. Um, another nobody, and I'm not trying to pitch my you know, my book or project or anything, but another nobody mean streets part two, I guess, is more of a polished, refined look. So when I saw Pierre Polyev's little documentary that was circling around the media, a light went off in my head and said, well, "What if we did this like a politician, except?" As a as a part of a community across one big community, which is coast to coast, and made a five minute documentary that could go to the media and and rattle some. I want I want people at four John Street and and four Campbell Street and and whatever the address is on the phone to their MPP going. I saw this on news. Why? Why am I being led to believe by the media that everybody on a di- with a disability is in house? What what is this? That's the that's the upset. I think that documentary needs to do. I it needs also, to start an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. But it's censored. The media is so censored; they will not stick disability stories on there. That's the problem. I email them constantly; they never respond. They do lots of disability. I've seen just Body lots in the last few, if it, if just in the last few weeks. Just if it's uh, flashy, does it. if it's global, does it? Yeah, yeah. Global does it by the guys at Catherine's. You know the the, uh, the problem I always the problem I always say is that disability isn't sexy enough. You know, like you know, like that's the that's the truth, right? I mean, we all know that the kind of. Uh, sex sells you know like it has to be sexy in order to refer to like you know and, and disability just is not sexy so you it's have to almost like uh it's like a if a um, headline is like a splashy uh, word that that the uh, media will catch on disabled person decides to walk across canada for you know to get some kind of a, like a fundraiser or whatever it may be also, mm-hmm. oh my god like yeah, yeah we'll be all over it right? um yeah. just so you know just this month i have seen um an, a, a quite a significant increase in cbc and ctv oh. doing uh, doing it, stories about individuals with disabilities on a number of issues not just oh, not just um income but but Airplane. housing and and uh, not just income, but housing and other things as well. And that's how, I, I mean, yeah, we, there was one about, we just had one out here was about a lady. Um, she was, I, th- I think she was in Edmonton, but she needed to go to school in Calgary, but she couldn't find um, an accessible place that was affordable. So she could do the schooling that she needed to do. Um, like, We've had, yeah, we've had a number of stories, not just in Alberta, but also on the main news network, the the national news networks as well, oh. like like that, that have been 
And especially over the past month, I've seen a quite a few more than I I'm used to seeing. So something is starting to get something's starting to get traction. Something the, the legs are starting um, to move uh, move around. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, yeah, I, I'd like to propose that we do a think tank Zoom meeting. Um, doesn't have to be like tomorrow or anything, but something where we can come up with the pitch, the guidelines for the videos, and just get it out there. Because I bet you. People will make a 30-second to two-minute video, and then we can start filling it in with content around it. And if we can get it out, we can create something like everybody's got a camera on their phone. If they don't have a camera itself, just go out there and be a journalist. Tell your story, two minutes, where you live, what your situation is, if you can't, if you're nonverbal because of your disability, write it out in a marker and get a family member to film it. Oh, I was gonna say, like you remember, you know, the that thing where different people have done the the silent, and these were people that could talk that with the with the notepad, and then they're like, oh yeah, with right, the paper, yeah. yeah, yeah, those are impactful. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking of that when Alan was saying it earlier, and that's I, I was that's what I was thinking of when he was talking about that. You yeah. know what I you know what I can do is I can do I can do a little uh, I can do a little one minute short of what uh, what Alan just said. I'll 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 splice up a one minute short, post that up, and uh, we'll 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 put it out. there, will blast it out there, and uh, Alan, you can start you can start uh, taking your camera around and see if you can interview some people and then uh, get get some uh, footage coming in and I'll, I'll edit it down. Well, I would like, yeah, I'd like to see, I'd like to see people I don't know who may not be in our disability community, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, seeing it and going, hey, I could do that. Yeah. I might not be able to speak verbally, but I could write it's, I could go to the dollar store and get a red marker and a white background or, or a black marker and a white background, and I can write, I'm Joe, I live in this, this, I have Down syndrome or, or whatever it, it is, and this is my story, and I I can't even afford to eat because I have to pay 90% of my rent, money to, to rent, and I can only go to the food bank once once a month. Thank you for listening. I, uh, I like a, that kind of storyboarding, but a and it and you just take thirty second, two minute videos, two minute max, and you splice them all together. Yep. And we put some we put some text content in the middle, like little little quotes by politicians who actually said things like Doug Ford told me, you know. All a disabled person needs is to find a job. You know, yeah. I was just thinking, I mean, what would be impactful? Because I'll, I'll, one of the, the barriers to this is, is it cost, I mean, where you really want to get this is, again, on main news networks. And it's the cost behind it that becomes prohibitive. And I'm not saying not to try Maybe mm -hmm. we can figure it out, but but what I was the reason I, I I'm putting that as a caveat before my a, a caveat before what I'm about to say next because I keep thinking about the heritage minute and what yeah. if we what if there was a series called the oh. the disability minute 
<laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're onto someone there, Cassandra. Rather than the heritage minute, the we're, disability we're, minute. The Canadian disability minute. Yeah. We could yeah. we could call yeah. it we could call it sixty second crips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sixty second crips. Sixty second crips. I like that. Yeah. Ding 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 ding. We 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 street second. Main street minute. There you go. There you go. Uh, anyway, we should be punching out. Yeah. We should be punching out. So, so what we'll do is we'll just quickly do a uh, like a one one minute uh, one minute uh, blurb to each person, and then yeah, and then we'll call it a day right. until the next segment. Okay, over to you, Dan. I'll hand it to you first. Dan's gonna so, dance okay. us out. Give us your best your best dance move, Dan. Okay, hold on. I gotta get the swear jar. <laughs> No, it's it's been totally awesome as always, man. I, I believe it or not, I do enjoy having conversations with people about this stuff. And in fact, even people that I disagree with, because it's, it's the only way you learn, right? Um, yeah. One one thing for Cassandra there is actually this is ironic that you mentioned the Hope Shelter. So January twenty seventh, two thousand sixteen, um, and I, I could send you the video later. You can go check it out. Uh, that was actually the first deputation I ever gave was to open the new Hope Shelter here in Toronto at Leslieville. I actually stayed in the old one. Uh, back in 2005. Um, so yeah, Salvation Army to my family and to, to the area is pretty important. Uh, just to answer your your question quickly from earlier as to, and I think you were being facetious, I don't know, I don't even know the, the, the meaning of the word, but like when you asked about families and, and why is it more important than single persons, it's very bluntly simple. And that is, if you got 4 million people in a city, it's much easier to get those 4 million people's votes if you have them all in a household of four or five people, as opposed to a single person, right? Um, Asking, I was being, um, yeah, yeah. I, I was being rhetorical. That's the word. Sorry, I used the wrong yeah. word. That's the word. And, and just in ending too, right? It's like yeah. never judge a book by its cover. And like you guys were saying earlier, you alluded to everybody doing their part, right? So I'll do my part right here, right? So you might think I'm nuts, but go check it out. 2014 met Trudeau and one of the things he said to me in our conversation at a gay church service at World Pride must have been a fluke eh? but one of the things he said to me was uh, uh, that he loves how we all work together hey buddy fucking prove it man <laughs> remember yeah and, and this is important to me and, and this has just come to light to me over the last couple of weeks um, but I'm going to use what I got to try to help right um, I said it on a show the other day, and, I, and I'm going to repeat it only one time for you guys. Uh, I encourage everybody to contact Carl Subban. That's the father of P.K. Subban that used to play for the Montreal Canadiens in Nashville and everything in hockey. Um, he was actually my teacher back in the day in the 80s. And ironically, that was my introduction into the food breakfast programs for kids. So that is one person that if you really want to work on that issue, that's who you would contact because we need people to contact people about things directly, right? You can't have somebody like Dan screaming about housing or food programs to the person that's in charge of seniors issues, right? Yeah. So if we can do that, that's my part. Uh, Carl Subban, he remembers. Remember, Carl, the last time you saw me, you were pulling me off my buddy, punching his nose. Get it together and fucking help us because we need we need fucking help. No matter where you look at it, we, we need help from all aspects, whether it be basic income, housing, seniors disabilities we need to do it and that's all i got until october of 2026 in board eight thanks dan awesome thank you so much on that uh it's always always a great pleasure hearing your perspective on uh, where where things are at and uh it, oh just uh just to kind of comment uh regarding um 
that the food program that was voted down. Uh, I, I totally echo that, man. I, as soon as I heard that, I was just so, I was furious within myself. I was like, are you kidding me? Like children, children. And, and so he's going to say, he's going to think, oh, people are so mad that, yeah, you know, yeah, it's just raging people up. What he did was he actually hurts as a ripple effect throughout the whole of the country. It's not just the children, it's the family, it's their parents, their grandparents, there's people that they know now. He now voted actually- against oh. giving giving our soldiers a raise and 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 yeah. helping our veterans and yeah. too as well. Do, he wanted to do a marathon. It does make his point across that well, I'm if, if I don't get what I want, I'm going to hold them hostage for thirty hours. And and yeah, what did he do after not even an hour? Apparently, he took off to a fundraiser. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and left all his MPs there. And I think I'm sure a lot of them are probably were very disgusted, but they had to do because his boss, because their boss said, "You do this, otherwise." Well, if they're if they were truly disgusted, they would have stood up against their yeah, leader. Exactly. Yeah. And and, and been vocal. Yeah. And that they shows. were really disgusted. They weren't. No, they I mean, weren't. they vote. They all they all I mean, it was them voting against these things. Right. Yeah. So they were towing his line, you yeah. know, and yeah. and and even though he was treating them like garbage um, and. I mean, they could have stood up. They could have stood up and said, "No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to vote on this. Like, I'm not going to vote I, against." I was yeah. willing to look past all the bounty castles, all yeah. the Randy Hilliers, all yeah. the Pierre Polya bullshit going on. But the second he said, "You're not going to feed your own people and yeah. one of the most vulnerable groups of people, your kids." <clears throat> yeah. Stick it in your. I don't care if it was my mother and she's listening right now. Okay, she's yeah. in the chat. Yeah. If you did that to kids. You have no business being in the country, let alone running the fucking country. That's stupid, idiotic, and thank you very much. I'll shut up. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and I, as soon as I heard about that, I just, yeah, I had lost all my total respect for you, uh, Mr. Polyev. I lost total respect for you. Absolutely. I haven't had respect for him since Harper, since he got in under Harper, yeah. because I remember yeah. it. I, I, there was no respect. All yeah. he did was confirm my be- All he did was solidify and confirm the beliefs I already had about him, and that yeah. he just proved he just proved me right. Mm-hmm. You know, to yeah. anybody that doubted me, he just proved me right. Yeah, I mean, especially with children. I mean, like using children as a as a as a yeah yeah anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, pass it over to MJ on that. Uh, and do you, any comments? Uh, maybe Cassandra. Actually, first, since I got you on right now, what are your ending comments for today's segment? Um, well, just back to, I'm just going to go back to the, the whole, I mean, there's a lot of an afford, affordability issues that we are having right mm-hmm. now. and But the number, the number two thing, the, the two number one things, there's two number one things on the top of my list. Mm-hmm. And that is that is housing, of course, because of what I've recently is that we need to do something in the immediate while we're waiting for all these investments to make fruition. Um, we need to do something immediately to house people now so they're not freezing in the streets in December and January. Mm-hmm. And sometimes March, we'll see how this year goes. But we also need to start look like food banks are not an option. And I really, my, 
and maybe one day you can have me on to talk about this, but my number one affordability issue has been, and it was something I was working on with housing before I faced my own houseless journey. Um, and, and that is food insecurity. Um, I, I don't believe in food, ba- food banks are the canary in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. They're the, they're the canary in the coal mine. We didn't have food banks from the 1930s until the 1980s when we had that really deep recession. That's and, right. And, and that was, that. Yeah. and then we started soup lines all of a sudden, which turned into food banks. They were supposed to be temporary. They made it into yeah. an industry and now they're at their breaking point. And, and well, low, you know, we low blahs is no different than Walmart. We're seeing the Walmart effect. We just had an independent in the, in the community I'm in of Boness. Um, there was a, a, an independent grocer that had been there for decades and decades called the Bonesian. They recently went out of business and it's the, it's these big box stores that can buy in bulk and drive the wholesale prices up for smaller grocers. Yep. And I really think I want to put them out of business. I want to come up with ideas. One of my ideas is more urban agrihoods, not community gardens, urban agrihoods, so that we can start taking. There's no reason you can grow a head of lettuce in your kitchen all year round. We need to start teaching people how to do that because. Nobody should be paying ten dollars for a head of something that you can grow in your kitchen mm-hmm. I'm without get- any effort. And so we need to take the money. We need to take the the oligarchs of Walmart and 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 Loblaws and such out of the market, and we need to take them to their knees. And that's all yeah. I have to say. I'll get Neil to uh, schedule you in for a, uh, a segment about uh, food insecurity, and we'll and we'll we'll talk about that off off the show like when when the show ends, and then we'll we'll figure that out. Uh, we got January all open up right now. Actually, we're already booking in to January, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, over to MJ, and then I will do my last comments, and then uh, and then I'll send it over to Neil. I just have an idea. I would like to see for another show is. Um... Hmm. This idea that all disabled can work. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. crazy. Oh. And how the ones that do want to work can't get the help they need to get back into the workplace. Yeah. And then they punish you for it because you can work. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, I'd really like to see that in the future. And thank you for having me today. Yeah. You know, MJ. It's uh, lovely could... having you, MJ. Yeah. I, I'm really glad that you were able to come back. And I yeah. really. I was disappointed when you went away and I was like, oh, I really wanted to hear because I kept seeing your your facial expressions and your laughter. And I'm like, oh, I'm just dying to hear what it's she like, has it's to like, say. I want, I want, I want to say something. It's like that I, that I felt bad after I'm going, oh, gosh. I you forgot know. to mention, too, one of the times I did flip out last time I saw you was the social worker comment. Because, yeah, I had my own experiences with those stupid people. <laughs> You know, we we could we could do a segment on that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, like that's what I mean. Like, there's so many segments that we could do, and then I I do follow ups, and I get them back on again, and then I do our roundtable segments. Like, we just mix it all up, right? And I think it makes it so interesting because people may say, "Oh, um, they may be thinking like what we're talking about now." Going, oh, I I'm going through that. I wonder if they're going to talk about that. And, and that's what I mean. It's about lived experience stories or lived experience of what you're hearing or what you're going through. And um, and I think people need to hear that. And I, I love what Ellen 
had come up with that idea too. Um, uh, something that Neil and I had talked about prior um, about, and this kind of goes back to um, a lady that Sonia and myself know, um, and she had brought this idea to me. Oh, oh my gosh. And Sonia had brought this to my idea, to my mind. And um, yeah, they, but uh, there's one advocate. She's very strong in the community. She's dropped off for now. She's still around. Uh, I know she's around because one of um, one of her sons actually uh, does come on to the podcast. Uh, and uh, Neil knows who I'm talking about. The one lady she came on, and, and she's a girlfriend of the one of the one. Um, but she's a very feisty advocate. Um, she held the BC government to account. She actually collapsed the government. <laughs> she was the one who collapsed the current, the, the previous government. No, she not the previous, the, the previous before. Uh, Sonia and I were actually helping her very, very dearly. Uh, and making our disabled voices being heard uh, across the province. She wouldn't take no as an answer. Let's put it that way. She got right in their face, but in a very polite, but very firm way, should we say. Like saying, yes, you can try to silence us, but yeah, it's, it's like saying you can try to silence us, but our voices need to be heard. And she did it for her ki her kids. She called them my, my kids. And they'd say, mom, why are you doing this? Because I'm doing it for you because the government won't listen. And then she'd stand outside our parliament building, you guys. And she'd say, well, these walls may be, may be thick, but they wax behind their ears. It's actually clogged up. They can't hear what we're saying. So she would amplify it nice and loud. Um, so with that being said, she advocated about the bus passes. She advocated about the rates being inadequate, that below, way below the standard of living. And all we hear is crickets now of, well, there's more to do. Uh, well, we, you know, we've raised it four or five times in a year and there's more to do. It's like, yeah, like, and Sonia always says, you know, uh, pittance and I say breadcrumbs, you know what I mean? But it's like saying, well, it's like that carrot trick, right? That we all talk about. It's like dangling along. Yeah, there's more to do. Well, you know what? Like, it's Cassandra, you're right. Um, we want to see action now. Like words are great. I, I love words. But we need action based. And Dan and I, we always talk about this too, like like results. We want to see results now, like and like getting uh, uh, getting a, a a fund out to help people now. Like let's get something if it's Derb or whatever it may be. Let's get something out there now to help Canadians across this country. And um, and, and I, that, I sorry. yeah. Uh, I'm going to quickly uh, end and then yeah, over to you, MG, right away. I just I uh, forgot that was another thing I want to say about Cassandra's story. I too cannot take a bus. And yeah. they need to change this because for me to go to work, I need a car. No way around it. So which means I'm going to need gas. I'm going to need plates. I'm going to, you know, like if I hit somebody, I'm going to need a repair, like whatever. Mm. But like, they don't account for any of that. All their little things are just to try to keep us down. Drives me crazy. It, it does. And, and it's like, uh, like Sonia, she's got a driver's license. I don't, I can't drive. And she says, I would love to be able to drive to go to some of these other places to, you know, maybe look at opportunities, but she can't afford insurance. The rates are too low. She can't even do that. And, you know, trying to take the transit bus around is just not always accessible to get to certain areas. Uh, and again, I find that a barrier. Trying well, to get and I can't even take on. like the, 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 the handy bus or the little well, our handy version bus. out yeah. here is, you know, I can't even, uh, I can't even do that because it, it it's just the exhaustion of getting on and and they and they turn you around so long 
Oh my God. Two hours, like, half it's, hours. It's like, I'm so exhausted. Like I just don't have the spoons to even to just to sit. Work. Yeah. You can take it to work. Oh yeah. But we'll drop you off within a three hours time. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, I have to be at work at eight. Well, we'll get you there between seven and 10. <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah. I know. I I, yeah. I got kicked out of a, it was a it was a it was a chronic pain program, which is more like a rehabilitation program. And yeah. I got because if you missed so many uh, two or three, you got removed from the program and I got removed from the program, not because of anything I did. Um, they picked me up like literally the place I had to go was 10 minutes away. They drove right past it. My they drove right past it, drove me around for, for an hour and a half and dropped me off an hour and a half late. Wow. A lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, handy darts they call it in BC, uh, they call it handy dart service. A lot of them are contracted out to other contractors and they, they take you to medical appointments. Oh, you want to go grocery shopping? Sorry, we don't do that. I said medical appointments are a priority. Or they drop you off if they're on their way. You know, well, you know, we'll, we'll make it look like you're going to medical You're only allowed... Two bags and and so yeah, if you want yeah. to do an actual, you have to get the you can't shop around, you know, no. to different stores. You gotta go there, do one store, do all your shopping, and then take a cab back. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. The or they'll tell you take, or they'll tell you take a conventional bus back because we don't have room. <laughs> I know it's yeah, yeah. I, I was told that one time. <laughs> I can't even do that. Yeah. I, oh, that's I had, a human rights complaint. Oh my god! I had, that, ha I had that happen once. I had to go to a medical medical doctor's appointment because they were doing a reassessment of people with disabilities, and it was right in the middle of the freaking transit strike. And the only oh. bus that was going was Handy Dart because they weren't part of the of the transit system. They were contracted out, so they had to pick me up. And they says, "Well, we'll take you about two and a half hours to get you to your doctor's office. Two and a half hours." all around here and there and meanwhile it, would, it should have only taken about 42 minutes maximum to get me to my appointment but no and you'll be back sometime by thursday yeah yeah we'll get you there but we'll we'll be back in about an hour to pick you up sir uh, i go what well, okay i you know what we'll go, and, we'll go and pick up uh hang on Alan, one one quick sec uh we'll go and we have to go and pick up uh mr mr smith and uh and uh jacqueline uh who, who are they? Oh, oh no, yeah, you don't take this enough. Yeah, the guy actually yeah, knew them by name. But yeah, actually, you know what? Hour and a half, Fred. Oh, your your doctor's office needs to have these forms done. What, what? You know what I mean? Like, and so I said, well, can I go to the grocery store on the way back? We'll make an exception. But if it's more than, yeah, more than a couple bags, you have to take conventional bus back. I'm like, uh, they're on strike? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, they're on strike. Well, you have to wait till maybe, uh, I don't know, another week. You can maybe make an appointment. Oh, I was so livid. Um, <laughs> anyway, everyone, I want to thank everyone for uh, for coming on today uh, and doing this extended uh, long series uh, that we have. Um, we're going to definitely do some programming notes uh, and uh, incorporate in some of these ideas. Um, I think that um, going forward, uh, I mean, lived experience stories, this is an amazing um, series that we have going right now. Uh, but we can maybe try to channel that into something even more once that in the nine series ends, we can channel that into something even more superior, but we'll have to have a, I think we, we might have to have a zoom, um, a, not a recorded one, obviously, but we'll have a yes, zoom meeting with, uh, with, with, uh, with all of us on here. A top uh, secret one. Yeah, top secret one. And what I'll do is 
and uh, oh the no, and the ones not top secret. And the ones nobody can there. know. Nobody I'm not there. Know. I didn't. I never showed oh. up to that top secret. Oh no, no, me neither. But the open mic segment would be preempted. It'd be kind of bumped off. I'm sorry, due to programming technical difficulties, we are not able to provide that show today. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, and I feel bad because I, I launched it. Someone says, "Open mics, this is great," and then we launched it once, once and twice. And then or what's that uh what's that uh ikea commercial stop the car <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway over to you neil uh for uh, the ending uh, segment. uh i was just gonna say uh again uh it will help our metrics if oh, people yeah. like share subscribe uh, comment, all of, all of that stuff. It helps push the metrics out. So uh, stick with us till till Christmas, and we got a lots of good good shows coming up. Lots of good content. Yeah. We have a we have a, a great show tomorrow. It's an extension off of today's show. Um, it's um uh, it's about lived experience stories. So it's kind of an extension off today, uh, and it's uh, for um, Jason and Stephanie. Uh, they're going to be coming on. So I. I really encourage everyone who uh, would love to tune in under the comments section and please like send in your comments. They've been through a lot and I'm really, really anxious to hear um, what, uh, what your story is about. I wouldn't do my sheets. Uh, uh, Ellen, Ellen, I'm doing it. I'm just going to wash with a big blue stain. Yeah. I think someone's going to Hold on. One sec. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry you got, about that. You got to love live TV, right? <laughs> oh, I live TV. I was just like, wait a minute, I, ah, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, but yeah, kind of tuning in tomorrow. I really encourage people to tune into tomorrow's uh, segment about um, lived experience stories. And it's, it's an extension, like I said, off of today's um, session. Uh, Jason, Jason Ross, and uh, Stephanie Herb will be coming on to the show. Uh, they moved to recently had moved to Victoria. They lived here for two years. Unfortunately, they had to move back to uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm not going to tell you a lot about their story because they'll be they'll be diving right into it. I'm really anxious and curious to hear feedback uh, from people of what they've gone, what you know, what Jason and Stephanie have gone through. Um, it's been a lot. That's uh, I'll just summarize it. It's been a lot. Um, I've got to know some two amazing people, and uh, I, I I will miss them. Uh, they asked me to come out to visit. But, you know, I was trying to save up to take a plane flight out there. It's not going to be cheap unless I can do a cheap airline fare. And maybe the maybe the provincial and federal government will actually listen to the disabled Canadians across this country and raise our incomes ab above, a, a, you know, a standard of living because of our disabilities. So we can actually enjoy life. Right. So I want to thank everyone um, to, uh, you know, for, for tuning in today. And um, definitely, um, yeah, like we'll catch you on the next show. Do you want to Dan, be a guest? Dan's out? making me a coffee. And Dan's dancing. Uh, Dan's going to dance us out making making us coffee. Oh, oh and uh, boiling spaghetti, Brent. Let's go, brother. <laughs> right there. Stir it up. Stir it up. 
And, uh, and and stay tuned too. That there's a special segment coming up about eggnog, and I'm going to be uh, giving those uh, the feed to Neil on that one. The he quest for eggnog. Is, shh, Neil doesn't know that yet, guys. It's top secret. It's top secret. Yes, I just concluded uh, the uh, the part of it, so I have to do the uh, the ending part tonight and uh, on it. But yeah, I'll be okay. sending off. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, everyone.